The AP Podcast is sponsored by Epitaph Records. The home to Progressive Metalcore Unit Bring Me the Horizon, whose new album, There Is a Hell, Believe Me I've Seen It, There Is a Heaven, Let's Keep It a Secret, debuted at number 17 on the Billboard Top 200. You can see these British Hellions on tour with A Day to Remember, which kicks off March 10th in Philadelphia. And modern folk troubadour Frank Turner, whose recent EP, Rock and Roll, will be available on vinyl for the first time come this record store day. Check out his new single, I Still Believe, and get stoked for Frank's new full-length coming this summer. For more information on these and other Epitaph new releases, go to epitaph.com. Welcome to the AP Podcast. This is Mike Shea. I'm here with Hello Goodbye. Uh, this episode uh, for a band started in Huntington Beach, California in 2001. Uh, for seven years, they were on drive through Records, uh, released the now infamous EP in 2004, uh, released a now even double infamous uh, record after that in 2006, Zombies, Aliens, Vampires, and Dinosaurs. And they have a new record, Would It Kill You, that came out this past November. They're currently on their own uh, label, and they're currently on a headlining tour. Uh, and for future reference, you can find them at hellogoodbye.net. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for coming today. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having um, us. Yeah. So <laughs> since we have five of you, um, why don't we, uh, so everybody can kind of get the voices down, why don't we start to my left and say your name and what instrument you play, and we'll just go around the whole circle here. Um, my name's Travis, and I play bass in the band. My name is Joe. I play keys and guitar. My name's Michael, and I play drums. Uh, my name's Forrest, and I sing and I play guitar. My name's Andy. I play guitar and uh, a few of other... I'm a multi-instrumentalist. That's the easy, easiest way to sum it up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Talented. Smoking. Very. So, um, the fact that you guys went to Melt last night here in Cleveland, any musician that comes to town, you need to go there. Um, you guys yeah. had fun there last night. We heard know. about it like every single time we come to town, and we hadn't gone forever till. The last time we were here. Yeah. So, so for your fellow musicians, they're going to follow in your footsteps. What do you need to get there? The dude abides. <clears throat> well, I don't well, know. I think you got to go with the special yeah. of when you're there. Mm. That's what I did last time. Yeah. I got the vegan style of the. It was like a. I don't know. It was. Burger. It was a vegan meatloaf last yeah. time. I think that was a step too far. Mm-hmm. Last <laughs> night I took it. I I took it right down to the bare bones. Kept it simple. Cheese, and I think I felt the best out of everyone. There. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel, I feel like hundred bucks. I did the Parma, bucks, million bucks, whatever. The Parma, Italy, both times, and uh, both times it treats me right going down, and then uh, thirty minutes later, not so hot. But if that's a full endorsement for Melt, that's great. <laughs> so, uh, restroom facilities nearby after Melt is is a necessity. Yeah. So not not you shouldn't do Melt and then get in the van. For, well, I, uh, for constipation, I think. Is, <laughs> yeah, you could yeah. go the opposite. Oh, well, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. It's a good point. Yeah. You never know. You you roll the dice there. Either way, it's a miserable experience afterwards. But <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a great place to eat. So, all right, um, there are very few instruments that do get played fairly often in contem- in music in general um, that are. Uh, most uh, misunderstood or or not understood uh, by the general public, and the ukulele is one of them. <laughs> uh, because I kind of felt, and uh, I found something online last night because there are a number of sites out there that are devoted to the ukulele. To the ukulele. Ucunt. Yeah. Can I see that? Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you just did. Um, I was actually looking at uh, a different one here, which uh, yes, that was it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 
there was a there was a great post in there that that I really hadn't thought about before, and it kind of set up. So I need you guys to dis- to either confirm or dispel some of this because I'm sure with every instrument there's some things you're like, no, it's not that hard. Um, but the the name of the blog was Ten Reasons uh, It's Easier to Learn the Guitar Than the Ukulele. So number one, it's easier to tune. Mm. Correct. Yeah. Mm. A guitar is well, easier. Well, not if you know <laughs> the tuning to, of either. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's it, easier to stay in tune. Yeah. Because yeah. it's because you know guitars are just generally nicer instruments. But less, you got less strings. Yeah. Exactly. Which is really what it comes down to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Myth. Myth busted. Myth. But myth. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. It's a good. It's, it's harder actually, it's to a great place. idea for show. That's <laughs> actually really a musician myth buster. Um, it's possible to find a teacher. I imagine that'd be true. Yeah, that's probably yeah, true. That's probably true. Uh, it's easier to make it sound okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. What, okay. guitar? Yeah. Ukulele? I think ukulele is easier. It always ukulele sounds good. You can, you don't even have to yeah. hit a fret and you make a chord. Yeah, yeah. you go open. And, and it sounds sweet. Yeah, yeah the yeah. tuning. Okay. Myth busted. Uh, myth busted. <laughs> okay. Um, you don't have to worry about holding it. True. Um, well, yeah, oh. you, I don't know. You can hold a uke's very easy. Yeah, I got a strap on mine. Yeah, because we're so lazy. Yeah, I go <laughs> and we. Yeah, I go strap on either one. Yeah, I like strap. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't like us okay. saying that word right, over and over again. Now, now we're getting into other myths, yeah. so it will just stop there. Um, they don't have friction tuners. Well, I don't even know what yeah, that is. Well, neither I don't do I. know what that. Well, that's is why. Either. Yeah, that's why it's easier to keep a guitar in tune. Uh, so myth confirmed. Myth confirmed. All right. Yeah. If you say so, I'm listening to you. <laughs> it's easier to find tabs and lessons online. For guitar? For, yeah. They're always wrong, uh, though. Yeah. yeah. Find them yeah. all you want, they're going to be wrong. You yeah. can find the ukes just they as They throw easy, you yeah. off the path. Fake yeah. yellow light is pretty help. on. Really? Yeah. So is there like a deliberate, or is it just people don't know what they're doing? They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Makes sense. Uh, you can buy a decent guitar in a shop. Uh, yeah. You yeah. can buy a ukulele for like $35, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah. Okay. Um, this one seems like it would cause some fights. No one cares what strumming strumming pattern you see on you use on the guitar. So no one cares what strumming pattern you mm-hmm. use on the guitar. I disagree. Uh, yeah, when yeah. it comes to like uh, like like folk finger picking, it's super important. Right. So yeah, when yeah, in, in almost any song, it's pretty important. Yeah. And and with with the uke, I think. I don't think I've gotten that in depth to to worry about the strumming pattern too much. You just go ling da ding da ding da ding. Yeah. It's up and down. Yeah, up and down. <laughs> <laughs> so myth busted on that one. All right. Yeah. This one is, is seems so obvious, and I should have known this, and this is where I learned something last night. The strings are in the right order. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. That mentally, can you, can you explain that? Yeah, low to high. Yeah, yeah. the top string is low the, note. Hi- the highest. Yeah. And then it goes it goes high, like low, low. low high. Well, yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense in that. It way. doesn't make sense. But you don't even have to worry about that. Nope. No. Because the the string that's high on top is just an octave of what it would be if it were lower. Right. So you play it the same way. Yeah. And you don't that, even worry about it. Unless you're soloing and then you get a bit weird. Yeah. And you go, ding. And you yeah, go up. So do you have like, so you, you yeah. must have had like guitars friends over the years like, oh, I can play that. And then they're all completely mm-hmm. lost. The chords don't match up the same on each instrument. Yeah. All right. And this one gets a little bit more technical. Um, uh, The 10th. And the final, it's physically possible to play an E chord on the guitar. Well, it is, yes. Yeah. Um, I guess you can't really play a true E. Mm. I don't even I think know. It's, it's not a full. I, yeah, it's not a full. You don't get the first, third, fifth. Right. I think you just get like first, third, octave, octave. It's like a power chord. E. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. all you need, bro. So, okay. So that was good. You guys learned every, learned the basics about ukulele. Is it really, is, is, it seems like it would be an intimidating 
instrument that people are like, ah. Uh, no. Oh, no. If you go in with no <laughs> knowledge, it's way easy. The I fans love it, too. Yeah. It. You bring one of those little guitars out, they go nuts. Yeah. Oh, it's tiny. <laughs> it's nice. It makes it's ev- cute. It's like a puppy. Yeah. 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 I got it. Everything on guitar. Yeah. You like play that it on Burger ukulele. With it the play, it makes it better. You know? Yeah. It makes us look bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, can we start at the beginning? Um, and I know, uh, Forrest, it's, I'm going to be relying on you for a portion of this. Um, uh, but just, uh, I, I like to kind of start way back and kind of fill in a bunch of holes and things that I've, that seems to be broken from the record or seem to have disappeared over time that people don't know about. And there's plenty of listeners that will be listening to this that, that don't really know anything about you guys. They know a couple songs and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I, I, you went to which high school? Huntington Beach High School. High school. And, and uh, you were by 16, 17, the, the story goes that you were uh, interning a drive through at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that correct? So, um, well, okay, that's a misnomer. Okay, all right, let's go for it. <laughs> I was I was on staff. I was a paid paid you employee. Paid. Yeah, you're paid. You were doing web and graphic design. Yeah. for them. Um, how did you end up getting that gig? Like, was it just? Um, they had a really cr- crummy website, and I emailed them and I was like, "Your website sucks. I would like to make you a website." And they were like, "Cool, yeah. Here's a hundred dollars." You were a fan <laughs> of the like, label big time. Ooh, <laughs> I've made it. Okay, a hundred bucks. I could make quite a website on this budget. And I uh, made them a website, and they were like, cool, we like it. And so then they hired me to, you know, come in-house and do stuff. So what were you doing um, prior to that? I mean, it was, was it like, because uh, the story goes is that you were um, kind of playing around with, with your PC, and you're just making, you know, what you kind of felt were horrible songs uh, on your on a MIDI. And, and uh, there's a story that, like, you were, um, the songs you used to write, you used to sing in a hushed tone because your parents were sleeping. Mm-hmm. That's all true. Um, yeah, I just had a crummy computer in my in my bedroom, and uh, I didn't really have a band though. Uh, when I worked at drive through, I didn't have a band. And I never tried to like show them any demos or anything because it was just messing around. So that so was that when you were working with Jesse already? You guys were just teaming up together and kind of. Um, I started, you know, recording, and I recorded some some different stuff for a while, and then uh, made a few like thirty second snippets of music and. Um, then me and Jesse kind of made a song together, and the first like complete song that got made was me and Jesse. Um, if I'm correct, uh, Bonnie Taylor was the first song. Mm-hmm. Is that that's true? Um, and uh, the the story goes was that you actually you guys kind of formed a band initially. Um, the quote was to woo crushes. Yeah, I guess so. It didn't work though. <laughs> <laughs> didn't work at all. No, didn't really didn't work. date anybody off of it. Um, <laughs> Did you want? Uh, I think I freaked everybody out. <laughs> what kind of what kind of person were you in high school, by the way? Um, jock. Yeah, yeah. I guess you say jock. Sure, <laughs> the skinniest jock ever. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess I felt like I was pretty normal. I had um, small circle of friends, um, and I wasn't. You know, I kind of knew the popular kids, but I didn't really hang out with them. He was really um, popular. In okay, other I think schools. I isolated myself by being so popular. Yeah. And you know, it became a bit of a <laughs> bit of a crutch. Um, I don't know. Yeah, pretty pretty normal. And uh, was that your parents' goals or anything else? Like that, or did they kind of have you like you were supposed to go do something else? And or they did music? Yeah. Um, no, I was uh, not not their goal for me. Um, at one point, I was going to community college, and I dropped out. I didn't, just had no interest in doing it, and and I, my parents said I couldn't live at home anymore. <laughs> So I had to uh, move to the rehearsal space that the band had, mm. and I just lived in that. It was like an industrial lockout monthly thing, 
with no like facilities or whatever. And uh, I just lived there for like nine months. It wasn't like my parents were like mad about it, but they were like, all right, if that's what you want to do, you can't live here. Go do it. And I was like, okay. Kicked out of the nest, more or less. Well, right? that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no shower. Yeah. I took. Uh, I just went swimming a lot. <laughs> Is that right? Beach yeah, a lot, of, a lot of jacuzzis. Makes sense. Chlorine's better than soap. Well, there was a, there's a there's a post jacuzzi shower. Yeah. <laughs> hit, hit that up. Yeah. <laughs> um, what what kind of jobs were you holding down at that time? Uh, pizza delivery, mostly. I, I get the best stories from artists on this uh, series that uh, had pizza delivery stories. It was like, the best. I liked it. The, like the like the 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 housewives or something that would purposely order pizza to have you show up and they'd be in their nightgowns and everything. And oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. <laughs> um, on Fourth of July, a lady ordered pizza and I showed up and they had like a gate you go through to get to the front door. But then they were like, come on past the front door. And I went down back to like sliding glass door by the kitchen. And she came out and she was in like a completely sheer, you know, see-through nighty thing. And she was completely naked, basically. And she was like 58 years old, something like that. Smoking. And um Yeah, smoking, basically. <laughs> to quote the mask, <laughs> I would say smoking. And uh, I was just, I, you know, I was frozen. I was like, here's your pizza. And she's like, it's 4th of July. Anything goes, right? And I was like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. And then her husband just comes out and he's like, how much do I owe you? I'm like, your wife is naked right now. You don't notice or care? And I just got the money and got out of there. People always tried to, like, uh, give you weed, too, as a, as a tip. Uh, as a tip, so not yeah. in exchange for the pizza, but all good. Yeah, all good. All good. As a tip, yeah, it's cool, but I yeah. guess as yeah, um, would be kind of fun to kind of go back to the pizza joint and cash out with weed. So yeah, um, split your tips with the rest of the staff. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the story is that uh, you uh, when when did it get to the point where um, which lineup was it? There was you, Jesse. Marcus and Chris on drums. Mm-hmm. Was that like the original original lineup, or was no. that kind of like a second or third? Because you kind of went through some yeah. people, like they went off to college and, <coughs> and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, that was like second or third. It was kind of always fluctuating a little bit, especially with drummers and <laughs> bass players. Um, <laughs> hey yo! <laughs> <laughs> um, started out with Aaron, who was in the band a little while ago again mm-hmm. after he kind of finished school. Um, and uh, had a couple different drummers, a couple different bass players, and then when we got signed was when we had you know those four people, and that's why it kind of stayed for a while. So when did it, at what point did you start to uh, let, let's uh, actually confirm this? I'm actually pretty sure this is confirmed by now. The, uh, the name of the band was 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 officially came up with because I, I hear like the third reason is the Beatles song, right? The second reason is the Saved by the Bell episode. Mm-hmm. So the first reason is. No, neither of those reasons are really accurate. It's not supposed to be a reference to the Beatles. Okay. And it's certainly not a reference to Save by the Bell. Oh, well, good. Then we can correct it. We've more myth busts <clears throat> yeah. today. All right, awesome. Myth busted. It's not a reference to anything specific. It's just, uh, you know, a nice little uh, abstract concept. Nice phrase. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just about things coming and going in general. You know, I uh, sometimes I asked uh, artists um, because artists like to have fun with media people and press people, and they like to lie sometimes and just mm-hmm. make up stories. So, was that one of them? Uh, the the say by the bell and stuff. Was that just yeah. like a story you guys would make up along the line? Yeah, lying lying to the media is fun until 
Yeah, it lasts six right. years. That's <laughs> some advice for all bands starting out: is uh, yeah. never start off lying. Yeah, about your story because it'll it'll just come back. The joke's not funny yeah. after a long time. Five I mean, years later, it's yeah. not it's not so funny. <laughs> so so with that in mind, is there anything else you guys want to clear up right now? That that uh, over the years, you know, uh, that that uh, is not true. Those are honestly the two most frustrating. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else. In general, I'm sure there's plenty Maybe we'll others. get to them. Maybe yeah. we'll get to them as we sure go you'll here. Hit some. Right, exactly. Just check Wikipedia. Uh, just check <laughs> Wikipedia. That. Well, that's actually uh, that's that's the 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 backbone of 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 how I do these because that's where you work out all the crap right off the bat. Yeah. You, you start with the most unreliable source possible, and then you go from there. <laughs> um, so okay, so you 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 started to uh, you produced a lot of your own merch. You started doing pretty much everything yourself. Um, perfect DIY band uh, example. You started playing in Arizona. You went down to Texas. Uh, you did some stuff in New Mexico, I believe. Mm-hmm. That was all before you got signed. Yeah. Okay. And um, you know, the EP is one example that, that came out. But what did the band actually sound like prior to that? Was it pretty much the same thing, or was it? Well, very yeah. Sound? There's actually um, there's a ton of demos right. floating oh, around, right? Because right. you know we had like an MP3.com. And uh, so those got downloaded and got around or whatever. And then I think they're, they even got re-released on the, oh, like, right. the, the yeah. fifth drive-through re-release of whatever. <laughs> um, it's the extra added yeah. material, right? Yeah. New so, tracks. Yeah, new tracks. <laughs> right, right. So uh, they're out there. I mean, they're pretty similar. Just They're just uh, lower production value. Lower production value. <laughs> um, more DIY. So um, the story is that you didn't solicit drive-through with your own material. It was someone else, a quote-unquote mutual friend that did it. Yeah. And so talk me through that whole, like, why didn't you present your own stuff? Like, you never, well, like, the story is, like, you never even sent it out to anybody. I, I sent it to one place, and it was Fearless Records, because that's where I worked at the time then. And I probably wouldn't have wanted to sign to Fearless Records. And he, he didn't like it at all. <laughs> and Drive Through always used to make fun of my musical tastes, or Richard and Stephanie. They'd make fun of me <clears> for, like, the, liking the stuff I liked. So I was like, they're not going to like it. Whatever. I wasn't even thinking about it. And then there was a local label called We the People Records, um, who I think kind of signed the starting line and then gave them to the drive through or didn't give them to the drive through, but and uh he was kinda interested, Sky Charlie, but he was the one who passed it along to drive through and then they that's how they heard it. And so you were working at Fearless when drive through was looking yeah. at you so um how did the whole signing experience go for you at the time was it something like you kind of felt uh were they were were uh not trying to start um um or dig up uh issues but uh did you kind of feel like you had a grasp of what was being presented in front of you with a contract and so forth or um you know i felt like i did yeah <clears throat> um and there actually wasn't too much stuff in our contract that was messed up i mean the first you know Number of years with drive through were were I would essentially great, mm-hmm. and there wasn't any. They didn't like try to take our publishing or anything weird. Um, it was just toward the end that it got really really awful. Right, right. Um, so you know it wasn't too bad. It was kind of a long process uh, signing the drive through. So I had time to, I you know I read a bunch of books and we we had a lawyer. I think you guys didn't have a lawyer. No. Yeah. Well, we had a like local. There. Oh, no, yeah. no, we had like a local guy who only worked with like traffic tickets. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mike, you were in the early November. Yeah, we had a much Joe. different story. But yeah, maybe so we'll we, get to that. <laughs> yeah, we had a good lawyer, and I talked to him a lot, and I read like music industry books and whatever, and so I felt pretty comfortable with it. 
So um, can you just to maybe even uh, make the, the, the new musicians a little jealous, what sort of deal did you have? Um, oh my god! Like eight records. I was like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be famous forever. <laughs> there was even signing bonuses. Yeah, there's little little signing bonuses. That doesn't um, happen anymore. I don't think. No, I don't. Yeah. Well, well does not, it, Andy? Your yeah. friends? Yeah. I think oh, it yeah. does, Joe. It well, did, major labels, but I don't know if that's really the thing to do anymore. Yeah. Well, it wasn't anything big. Um, I don't know. I mean, how do you mean? Well, it just like how many records was it? Did they? It was, did you sign away? What did you? How much did you have to sign away? You know, did you lose your publishing? So, like you were just okay. talking about. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was. I think it was six <clears throat> records. You know, they were all options or whatever for them. Um. Didn't get to that point. We did one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't have to sign anything away. Really, no merch wasn't. This was before. This right. was a long time ago. That's so, why I'm asking this. Right. Yeah. Right. Three sixty deals didn't exist. There was no merch included. No publishing. No uh, touring. Kind of anything like that. Um, just a record deal. And did you guys get an advance? Yeah. Mike, what about you guys with early November? Do you remember what your deal was? was yeah, I, I have the contract still, and I look at it oh, from John, time to time. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's I've got right. my names all screwed up here. Go on. That's all right. Um, yeah, our our deal was probably the same thing. I think we signed the exact same. We were under, you did the MCA deal, right? No, they were, they were MCA was done by that time. Okay, so we, so we signed right before Hello Goodbye did, but we essentially signed us a MCA contract. It was like, you know, doing business as drive-through. Um, but we, yeah, we signed. We were like, seven records. Sounds awesome. Boom. <laughs> Name on there. Um, Job security at that point. Yeah, yeah. that's, I mean, that's why you do it. We're seven like, records. Right? It had a bu- had budgets of each record. And we're like, wow, that's a lot of money. Yeah. You, know? you just look at those numbers. Jeez, $50,000 to record something, which is insane. You, you know, maybe then you needed it, but yeah. not anymore. But um, yeah, it was, it was no merch. That wasn't even in there. We didn't have to fight for anything. They, they didn't take the merch. They didn't take the publishing. So that was actually really nice of them because there was other labels at the time that were taking that like victory, which off the bat, boom, you know, they already own half of your stuff. Um, so they, that was pretty nice about the contract. We didn't have a lawyer that was <laughs> at all knowledgeable. <laughs> we there was the, an asterisk on that one. I like yeah, that. The, yeah. The the I guess the handicap we had was that we didn't know anything. You know, we were just kids who grew up on farms and had no money had never met a band who signed a deal except for the starting line we knew them but um they by that time that we didn't we couldn't get a hold of them so uh yeah we signed they were the too world famous yeah <laughs> they really were they, stars. <laughs> we didn't know them that well but by that time uh we probably signed the world's worst deal i guess you know <laughs> we didn't we're like seven records sure they're like you guys want to negotiate that down we're like mm, no why let's do it <laughs> Which we, we gave them two. Do you, what were your guys' advances off that first signing? Did you guys get one, both of you? Yeah, I, I think ours was fifteen thousand. Yeah, I think it was the same. I think it was yeah. fifteen, and I remember the recording Which split between the four of us was was cool, really cool at the time. Yeah. So what did, you, what, did, what did you either buy or pay off? We it? bought gear. We had nothing. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a drum set or an amp. Like we just bought gear. No, yeah, me too. We had a we had a CB drum kit from uh, Toys R Us, which is what we recorded the demo on. That's all we had. So <laughs> that's that's museum quality. Now, yeah, you know that's what I want. Yeah, that's in, you've been saving for that. I know. Why do you? <laughs> I think it costs 180 bucks. So all right, so here's something. You, all you guys can chime in on this because because Joe, you said something uh, was kind of interesting, and but yet it's true. But uh, there's a good and bad side of this. I could probably see debate, and that's why I'm asking this. You said uh, fifty thousand dollar budget recording and you're like um you probably don't even need that anymore no but what was interesting about that was you could 
if you were in their good graces at the time, which we were, we would we went horribly over budget with the record. And they were like, whatever it needs, just make your record. And we went over by 20 grand. And yeah. they're like, that's fine. Yeah. We'll take care of it. They were so lax about it because they weren't going to account to you anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, yes. it doesn't matter. It didn't matter. So that's the trick. <laughs> so at the time, you're like, wow, they believe in what we're crafting here. Let's just, this is fantastic. So. I don't know what you were getting at, but that's my no, no, that. no. So I mean, I just you know, is it is it you know because you can do everything at home now. You got mm-hmm. stuff there, and you don't need you know you can produce yourself and so forth. So, but is that good or is it better? Was it better to you know? Are we kind of missing something? Is well, I uh, mean, we. I think we could have made our record for almost nothing, but we didn't. You know, we still still spent some some good money on it because I wanted to have him a happy work on it again. Who did the last record? Because mm-hmm. I really liked him. And we we hired a lot of like string session players, and uh, the horns were mostly favors. Had to pay a few guys, um, and then you got to get it mixed and mastered by you know good right. people. So if you're smart about it, you can do it for way less than you would think. Yeah, yeah. I remember a friend's band signing to a really small label, and this was years ago before you know everyone was doing it at home or. Um, and they're like, "Yeah, we got a three thousand dollar recording budget." And I was like, "Ask for more. That's nothing." And now you can easily record an EP at least, yeah. if not a, a pretty decent sounding full length for three grand. Yeah. Which is interesting because another friend of mine is looking to record with a pretty big name from the past, who's still kind of a big name. Steve Albini? <laughs> no, <laughs> not that far in the past. But um, somebody who probably 10 years ago would have been... Jay Robbins. $25,000 just to even walk in a studio for his production fee. And now mm-hmm. I think they're about, he's working with like seven grand. So even like the producers have to totally adjust what they expect to be getting now. So that's kind of weird. Then mm-hmm. he's working with them. So, have you noticed at all? Uh, is there any sort of a sense of. Uh, um, I'll save this question for later. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. drama question. I'll leave it for later. Um, so uh, talk about. Um, the production of the EP. Okay. Um, um, because you signed and then drive through what kind of budget they give you on that. That was done for nothing. There was nothing. no budget because it wasn't officially released. It was supposed to be online only. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. Free download. Right. That's right. right. Um, it only went into stores later and there, there was no budget. <coughs> um, probably should have got some money for it. <laughs> Didn't know. Yeah, I did that one myself in my in my apartment, whatever. Is there anything about that um, EP that looking back on it now... Um, that uh, you are surprised you were able to do, considering what you know now? Um, in a good way or a bad way? Yeah, either. Um, well, I mean, uh, li- listening to it now, I-, I still think it's cool for what it is. Um, there's no real drums on it, and that kind of is-, is a bummer. Um, but I guess to make the whole thing come together without any real <laughs> instruments except for guitars, guitars are the only real thing on there, uh, that's... Cool, I guess. <laughs> From an outside That's what perspective, you do. it was very unique for the time. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's just... It's an electronic yeah. album. It was what it was. Mm-hmm. So you... The, the the EP gets released in August of 2004, um, and were you still working at Fearless at that time? Were you out of there? No, I was out of there. So you basically were living off the band at that point. There's no... You didn't have a job? Um, 2004, when the EP came out? Yeah, That's probably. Probably. Yeah, we we started touring when we got signed, just b- right. way before the EP came out. So, and you guys pretty much—I mean, there was a two-year gap, which is you know between that EP and the actual record, yeah. which seems 
really long, even yeah. now for the debut record. Yeah. Um. So, but you guys were touring and touring and touring and just Roadhogs. Um. Yeah. And you and you did that constantly. So. What was the real, was that just the reason why there was just no record out? Or was there a particular, like, was that um, drive through his whole plan as like, let's get them road tested? And- Maybe that was their plan. They didn't ex- explain it that way. <laughs> they would just be like, I'd be like, cool, are we going in the studio? And they're like, oh, yeah, next month, next month. But there's a tour coming up. I'm like, all right, okay, I guess. And then that tour would end and be like, cool, we're going in the studio. And they're like, no, 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 no. Go on tour again. I'm like, are we ever going to record a record? They were very into demo. Demo, yeah, demo, demo, yeah, but, demo. You know what? That's that was probably a good idea. Oh, at, the, at the time, they had plenty of money to record the record. You know, the money yeah. wasn't a concern at that time. So they were, they were really good with developing bands because they stood to make no money off your touring. Yeah. So that was, you know, I, I I try to give them as much credit as I as I can for the things they kind of created. Yeah. And that was a great model that they did. Um, because we toured for about two years before the EP came out. Right. And then the EP came out and, and, you know, did a lot more than it ever could have done if we just put it out and then started touring. And then we toured for another two years after it, and then the record came out, and yeah, it, it, it really built. So just so we can kind of get some uh, context here, um, and, uh, Joe, you were obviously in early November at that time period. Um, but Travis and Mike and Andy, what were you guys doing at that time period? So we're talking 2001 to four, or just 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 so everybody can kind of get the grasp on it. I was actually touring with the band mm-hmm. like during that era when they got signed. I think the second tour after, yeah, maybe the EP came out. Okay. Yeah, um, so I was there for maybe a few years. Yeah, did merch on a couple tours, yeah. and uh, we did like some. Little acoustic gigs where yeah. he would play like banjo or something. Who's a multi instrument right now? <laughs> yeah. Huh? yeah. Huh? Bass and banjo. He plays anything with a B. Yeah. I learned it all from you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, I was doing the same thing as them, just only without any support. <laughs> <laughs> Which Touring, is, you know? Oh, uh, you're such a martyr, Michael. No. <laughs> Mike I used wouldn't... to be in a band called The Valley Arena. Yeah. Uh, playing drums. Um, touring, not delivering pizzas, but making mm-hmm. ice cream, mm-hmm. you know, working making. at the, I worked at the zoo. <laughs> no, there's a future business opportunity between the two. <laughs> ice, ice cream pizza, bro. <laughs> um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mike's been in a million bands for his whole life. I think crustacean nation. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, you know. Pounding the pavement, really, is what we call it in hey, the biz. Hey. Pounding the <laughs> Where are you from originally, Mike? California. You're from California? Yes, we, we're from the same area. Well, Travis, mm-hmm. Forrest, and myself. Okay, okay. Did you guys know, did you know them prior to joining the band for any stint, a period of time? Uh, yeah, I knew, we, I mean, just by playing music, okay, you yeah. kind of are introduced to people, especially right. in our area. Everyone's somewhat related yeah. by by a person or Kevin Bacon. We had and a guy playing. <laughs> we had a guy playing guitar for us, who Mike played for his other band when that guy wasn't playing guitar for us. Okay, so I met him through that for maybe like a year and a half before. Yeah, he, uh, Mike I, actually joined the band. I and played in a band and we uh, we did some shows with with the Valley Arena. So I knew Mike through that. Yeah. So and then Andy. He was just uh, frequent his films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not go on that. Around that time, uh, you know, I was I guess I was uh I don't know what I was doing. Would you I, say you were just a fan, Andy? I was not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I was just hanging around I was hanging around England. I was at college at that time, I think. 
So I was in education. I, I, I would go to a couple of shows, you know, and uh, I was playing in local bands in England, um, but nothing. I wasn't like touring or anything like that. But you started touring with the band kind of early on. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, 2006, 2005, we did Warped Tour. Yeah, it's 2000, 2006, yeah. And uh, Andy did merch mm-hmm. on Warped Tour. But I think that in order to get a gig in this band, you got to do merch first. Is that kind of the... It's how we start him out. <laughs> well, Lito, is he going to be... Mike had to do merch <laughs> for the first tour. He double duty. Well, then, it, yeah, then that is... Yeah, I was actually playing while selling stuff. I started out doing merch, too. So you guys kind of have a merch internship <laughs> program going on, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unless your references check out, which mine did, so... I just... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh... Okay, so at at that point, so the so the all right, so uh, let's go back to a second. Uh, Huntington Beach, that area. Mm-hmm. Explain that. Describe that area of California for everybody um, who's never been to even California. Surf well, City, man. Surf City, USA. Surf, surf City. Um, I I moved around a lot when I was a kid, so I moved to Huntington in eighth grade. Um, before that, I lived in a lot of different places. Um, and I lived there till about uh, five years ago or so, and now I live in Long Beach. Um, Huntington's cool. It's really nice. It's really broy, and that's why I moved because uh, it's got a weird vibe. But uh, I like it. I, I live downtown, right by the beach, and it was really cool. It's, it's well, instant bath, like you said. So, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what's the what is, what's the music scene there like? What's it like being in a band in that area? Is it? Um... Is, well, there is, is like. Is there like? I would imagine like being kind of sevenfold. Yeah, is there much well, of a scene? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's at the time, like, there there kind of was. It'd be like melee. We'd play with melee <coughs> all the time, and Limbeck. We mm. play with Limbeck all the time. It's more Orange um, County, right? Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be Huntington specifically, right? Huntington would just be Avenged Sevenfold and us. Yeah. Um, yeah, Orange County. There's like a lot of bands we'd play. With. We'd basically play Chain Reaction, and we'd play Fullerton, like at the Hub or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, Coos all the time. Coos, yeah. Santa Ana. So was there a particular, was it because it's, it is Orange County, but also because of the beach culture and so forth, was it hard to kind of get gigs for what the kind of music you were doing at the time? Because, you know, um, it's also no. very touristy and, and so, you know. It's well, like, in Huntington specifically, there's, there's no venues. I think that they have really strict laws and whatever. Sound ordinances. Yeah. And stuff. So nobody can open a venue. And there's like, there was a venue in the 70s or something and there hasn't been one since. Mm. So actually yeah, reopening the Golden Bear actually oh, really? is, yeah. Yeah, it's like a famous venue. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so you'd always play Chain Reaction or, or somewhere else in Orange County. Um, Hoagie Barmichael's. I never had to play there, thank God. <laughs> um, but uh, it was really easy for us. I mean, we just had friends and bands hmm. who had shows, and then we'd get to open. So um, you toured for a couple of years after the EP came out. Um, there was uh, the Real World Austin episode thing, which was for everything that's been painted, it seems to have been like one of the major things that kind of allowed you guys to break. They gave you enough mm-hmm. exposure. Do you kind of agree with that? Or sure, you... yeah. I mean, you, that was like when you'd get some hillbilly at Subway in the middle of nowhere who'd be like, "I've oh, seen you." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, cool. All right. At was the it... time, it didn't seem like a big deal, really. I mean, it was the real world; like, it was kind of a big deal, but it didn't seem like it was going to. How be... much of that? Because it was, you know, that was pretty much the the foundation of reality TV. Uh, how much of that was staged, by the way? Um, with their show, yeah, we didn't really see them filming um, the real world too much. Um, just what we were a part of, but right. it didn't and seem staged. I mean. From what we saw, it didn't seem staged at all. Okay. But they seemed like such normal human beings, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, like because it was before the season aired. I was like, these this is gonna be a really boring season. All these people are just normal and they're just talking and they're <laughs> they're not fighting. I don't know. There's no drama. I don't know what's going on. 
And then the season started, and they were like breaking each other's temples open. <laughs> and uh, what season? So was I don't it? know if they staged that. It was Austin. I don't know what number. Like fifty. Austin. Yeah. Just uh, just for those that may be going to South by Southwest, um, when you go to Austin and if they're going for the first time, there's a lot of techies that go that there now. Uh, what, what, give me give me a breakdown for you guys of where you guys like to go in Austin when you go down. Waterloo, Jackalope, awesome. Jackalope, mm-hmm. yeah, Emos, Stubbs. There's mm-hmm. always stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. anything the down that best Whole Foods. Yeah, <laughs> well, headquarters is yeah. there. Um, yeah, Austin's awesome. We were we had a good time there. We were just there two three weeks ago. When mm-hmm. was that? It was what gets in the beginning of the tour. Yeah. If you're there for Southwest, it doesn't matter where you go. Yeah. Because it's just, yeah, everywhere is the same. Right. And everyone's in the streets. Crowded and nuts. Yeah, yeah. like some laundry mats of venue and yeah. some yeah. rad bands playing there. So you're in, you're in luck. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Um, we're, uh, so all you guys were at this particular time either uh, doing merch, you were selling bands <laughs> and stuff, So or you were, you were, uh, you were uh, selling records. What was the first few things you learned about life on the road that were like the lessons learned for each of you guys? Oh, one of the biggest things that I learned, um, <clears throat> I used to think a lot of bands are kind of lame before we would go on, to, you know, before you would see them. And like when we signed the drive through in my old band, I was like, I don't like any of those bands. It's not my thing. And uh, then you would think they kind of suck. And then you meet them and you're like, oh, they're actually really nice dudes. So I learned to like, to try not to like have any preconceived notions about a band because of their music. And then as long as they're genuine people, and I think they're in, if they're <coughs> if they're not posturing with their music, you know, if they really want to make uh, reggae, ska, punk, <laughs> techno, and they're really into it, then it's probably okay by me. Like, it's, I'm not going to listen to it, but yeah, it's I'll probably find a song that I like and be like, yeah, they're good dudes. But if they're boners, there's nothing more gratifying than hating them (laughs) (laughs) and being right about it yeah (laughs) so you know any band try not to judge them um yeah like you were saying earlier before i think before we even started recording this it's really easy to to kind of be closed-minded and hate Mm. on stuff like that and yeah you go into tour and be like it's easy to just to say like oh that's not my thing but i guess you kind of learn that it doesn't matter if it's your thing or not because you can enjoy it either way i feel like you try to identify yourself you're like well i don't like that and i can't even approve of it right but it's just like whatever who cares it's cool yeah um and then also on tour you just kind of learn to go with the flow because mm-hmm. you have to mm-hmm. because there's a flow that's going and if you try to fight it there's there's nothing that can happen because you're you have to be somewhere at a certain time you have to you got to wake up you got to you got to be in a place that you may not want to be necessarily but you just learn to appreciate it for what it is cause you're like well austin's cool sure but i'd rather be at home you know, but you're like, well, I'll just enjoy Austin then. Yeah, you got to think about everyone else. Like four other people are doing mm-hmm. something you can't like. In close quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's you just learn to live with people. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the way I am now is just because we started touring at mm-hmm. you know such a vital age. You know, just. I know if I didn't tour, I probably wouldn't be the same person. Yeah. You know? Yeah, me too, mm. for sure. Hmm. I'd probably work better with other, like, I guess, regular job people because you, you go would you now come, or you would have then? If, if I didn't tour. go on tour. Yeah? You think so? I yeah. think I'd work a lot better with people having gone on tour. No, yeah. I always yeah. come home from tour and I'm like, and I and I say the same jokes that like we'll use for a month on the road and people are like, you're oh, well, sure, weird. humor. Sure, <laughs> humor yeah. is a whole separate. Yeah. Humor's not going to well, work. Well, yeah. I guess you're right with that. 
you can't aspect, you but, can't piss in a bottle at your <laughs> well you can you keep it sure then yeah. you'll get fired and but, put on well, you're, you're, it depends on what you're doing if you're selling like insurance and you're staying at your desk and you're pissing in a bottle your, your yeah. boss may sit there going you know that guy's dedicated yeah. sure you yeah. know not even going out for the smoke break or the potty break or nothing that's pretty damn good um what about what about you Mike well I guess the most important thing I learned is that the deal's not big, you know what I mean? The problems aren't aren't as big as you make them be because at yeah. the end of the day, you're going to be right next to them. You're going to be sitting with them. You might hate them at that moment, but it doesn't make a difference. Like some people just can't get past that point yeah. and they do a tour and they start fighting five days in and they can't figure out how it's not working and then they quit. And it's like you don't have to make these problems huge. They're not that big. Uh you're annoyed because you're tired. You're yeah. you're angry because the show didn't go well and you feel bummed. But tomorrow, that, it doesn't matter. Just move on. And, and you're mostly sick the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not like... Uh, I think people always are like, oh, what's tour like? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so awesome. And it is awesome, but it's really tiring and it's and really it's hard. And it's a job in itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think people need to just chill out. You know, you got problems on the road. You got fighting with each other you see each other literally almost a hundred percent of the day i learned to just let things just slide right off yeah. but no it's also problem. awesome you know we yeah don't want right to make it yeah no like no it's a job no, no, yeah. sure, no sure, it's, sure sure but there yeah. was a really interesting uh uh did an interview with aaron stern uh from magic romance recently and he was talking about uh with uh with destroy rebuild until god shows his new band uh that he's saying this time around he's going to do exactly what you were just talking about, Mike, which is he's not going to let the little stuff bother him anymore. It's he's not. learned how much time he wasted. He talked about how they were down in Australia for the first time and everybody was going to go off to the Great Barrier, Great Barrier Reef and they were going to do all this beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting in his hotel room, uh, mad as hell, and stayed in, didn't join them because there was some sort of minor scuffle with one of the other bandmates borrowing a book of his. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. And he's like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. He's like, so now it's like, I've been given a second chance with this new band. I'm going to not waste a moment anymore. It's not, yeah. it's, I think that's the, definitely the, the big lesson you learn on tour. He's just, who cares about that stuff? Right. Try to enjoy it. Because I, I, I went into tour not thinking it wasn't my thing. It was sort of like, like the other thing. I was like, you know, tour, sure, tour's cool for some people. That's not, I'm not really that guy, you know. I'm not tour guy. Like, I don't want to go like bang chicks. I don't we care. We still aren't tour guys. We're not we really in our own way. But you we, learn yeah. how to find your place in it, I guess. And um, yeah, that's what you learn is just how to, how to enjoy it. Hmm. And letting people be themselves and not letting it affect you. Like, if you want to be that way and that's how you are, that's great. Yeah. It, it doesn't affect me at all. You're, you can do anything you want. I'm totally fine with it. And just, be alive, live with it. You guys are, are seasoned professionals. Um, dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. yeah really. Um, so as you, do you just kind of ever, um, I was wondering about this. Uh, do you kind of ever kind of get that feeling of um, wanting to take like the, the newbies that are opening up for you and kind of take them to the side and say, look, I know what you're doing right now and, and listen to me. I've been there. <laughs> or do you kind of just kind of make it more hands off and just say they got to learn on their own? They got to learn on their own. own. But there Nobody are some things that they should, that they might be working through that you can, you might be able to help them with. You just yeah. got to be nice to those, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let you, them know you that. You can't be the dude that's trying to tell everybody what to yeah. do because you just come off as like a dipshit. Yeah. Um, excuse me. No, but, you can um, swear. It's, it's iTunes. You know, like, 
if you were to tell it like everybody what to do, it, it doesn't pertain to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? right. There's not a formula. You have your personal lessons works. that you learn, but yeah, um, I think you just need to figure it out on your own, and yeah. it's the best. I do think all bands, no matter who they are, no matter what label you sign to off the bat, you should be forced to do your first year of touring in a van. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that is yeah. that is with a, no crew. What okay, okay, should talk to me about this? What's give me give me the rules on this? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the theory. The rules? There's a real rule, but a it's, lot of people are privileged with uh-huh. bus tours, and then they just uh, they don't know where to go from there. Yeah. It just seems too easy because know? it's not going to. It, you might last forever. You might be super lucky, but you probably um, won't. You be. probably <laughs> won't be. So at one point, it's going to get real. It's going to be a total 180 from what you're used to, and. uh you know, uh, I see a lot of bands and we do some tours where it's like sort of a package tour and you see these bands who you're like, oh man, they just came out and they don't even have a record out yet, yet they're on a bus and they have a tour manager and a tech and a, and yeah. a, and that's cool. They it's think not, that's it's normal. Like jealousy. It's like, cool, good for them. But they're, yeah. they're down the road. They're going to like, nothing's going to be good enough for them. Right. You know, they're going to be bummed. They think that's how it is. Plus, it's not. Plus you'll make a lot more money. If you don't do that, uh, yeah. So, yeah. You will, if you care at all about your, you're not you know. gonna have to pay it back because <laughs> these people do not understand that that money is their money that they're wasting. Yeah, they forget how much diesel gasoline is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Plus, it's the I don't know. It's it's the way to do it. It's the way everyone's been doing it for a long time. Buses are amazing, but they're expensive. Is there um, just uh, I, I mean uh, Travis? I guess out of everybody that's in the band now, you've been well. Maybe you and Andy both have probably been with it the longest. I, I, think, I, right? I think I have Joe. I've been. Joe, around. I mean, sorry, Joe, Travis is what I meant yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've so, been around the longest. I think. So was there been any? Um, has there been any expense that you guys kind of look back on going now? Like, oh crap! Why? What were we thinking? Like the guys uh, from first to last, there's a story that when they got there some money and stuff mm-hmm. like that, they went and they all got uh, surround sound stuff for each of their bunks in their bus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and now they realize, oh, what the hell are we doing? So, like, I don't think I've ever done anything like that <laughs> at, at all. I, we've never been very frivolous. Like our stupid like stage, uh, you know, production was like. Oh, like the most we would blow is like the first day of tour. This was like our first real tour. We went out. It was like hidden in plain view and like whatever that tour was. And it was like, oh, like let's let's go Car to the costume store yeah. and spend a hundred dollars. And it's like, right. it was. I guess that was a waste of money and it was stupid, but it was a hundred dollars. So I don't really care. Everybody's very modest. With you know, no one's gonna, no one's flashy in this mm-hmm. band. No one's. Trying to flaunt how much they have or how much they're worth or anything like that. I'm still so. saving that Slim Jim from three exactly. days ago just because I don't yeah. want to buy another one. <laughs> <laughs> He's not lying. <laughs> it's, Combo's it, last days is on the floor of the bed. Well. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That Slim Jim. <laughs> what? Don't you like it? <laughs> yeah, don't that, you like it? Don't you? Like <laughs> don't you like it? <laughs> the band's pretty responsible money-wise now, even probably more so now. Um, but yeah, we're we're pretty good with it. When you get older, you realize what money is actually worth and, and where it comes from yeah. and how you need to save it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm probably the worst with everybody with spending money, but <laughs> I don't spend too much. It, just out of curiosity, you know, every band's got, everybody has, in a band has a role that they play that they end up by default by the personality or whatever. Yeah. So can you guys figure out, like, individually <laughs> who plays what roles? In the yeah, band because they're usually conflict. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I'm not that different. All right, so who who are, like who are the business people in the band? Joe, Joe, and Joe, yeah. Joe and me. Okay, and who are the caretakers? 
the caretaker. What is that? I would say the Michael. Moms. Yeah. Oh, well, you call I would, me. I would grandpa. honestly probably say Travis the most. Really, because uh, you know he, he's always asking like you're like oh I'm going somewhere you need me to pick up anything I'm like no it's cool I'm going to go to Jimmy John's you want a sandwich he does no, that for you does that for me all the time oh my yeah. God. <laughs> wait a minute no yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah <laughs> yes he does yeah I don't know Andy is it. I'd love to know what my role yeah, is. yeah I would love to know what your role is Andy's, uh, Andy's role is uh, carefree. Carefree, yeah, uh, just, uh, so there is a role for a child. Every band is a child. <laughs> <laughs> Andy is a child, but res- respectful. Uh, yeah. yeah, respectful yeah. child. You always look at Andy, and and he's got a smile. On his he's face. a party dude, actually. And he's been not a have party a good, dude. If, yeah, well, okay, not party sorry, dude. Not, right. Every Let's time I feet. die or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. Andy's sort of like Switzerland. He's like neutral territory a little bit. You know, yeah. he's always kind of even keeled. And well, if you want to have a good time, you hang out with Andy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, it's important to know that for everybody's hanging out with you guys after after the show. Um, uh, And and since you guys have a, because we're going to do a music break, but since you guys have an awesome uh, merch interning program, um, (laughs) give me, the me uh, because most of you guys can talk about this, give me the rules to, because there's a lot of um, music uh, kids that are in high school and they want to get in the music industry and they really don't know where else to start except doing merch. For their no, buddy. It's a good place. It's a great place. You sure. meet everybody. So yeah. what are the rules? Can you guys give me the do's and don'ts? Or Work you... hard and be nice. Yeah. Don't yeah. go to music industry school. No. Yeah. Don't, don't waste your money on that bullshit. Be friends <laughs> first, and that actually goes a long way. Yeah, and, and realize there's a, there's a huge business side to it. It's not just selling T-shirts. Right. There's, there's debts. There's, yeah. there's the money it costs to screen print it. There's... How many colors affect the price? It's not just merch; it's across the board. But yeah, there's well, and a- that's just and that's just merch. And we, whenever I meet somebody like say Chase, for example, mm-hmm. who's who's in the industry doing whatever, say they moved into whatever position, they're A and R, or they manage somebody. You're like, oh, you, you used to be in bands and you toured and you met everybody and that's how you got started. Like, or you sold merch and then you started tour managing and now you're a manager. And I feel like the people who are like, oh, I'm trying to get an intern. I mean, it works sometimes, but yeah. I'm trying to get an internship at Sony. It's like. All right. Yeah, cool. do it. Yeah, yeah, do that, and you're just going to be an out of touch loser. Yeah, <laughs> going to college for a music industry is only really good for getting you internships. And a lot of people I know have gone to college for for music, and they've gotten great internships, and now they work at RCA or whatever, or yeah, something. But I think it's better to long. get hands on. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, it, I know a lot more successful people in the music industry who start it teching or being in bands or selling merch or just yeah. budding along with their friends. Well, of course, you said don't go to a music school, music industry school, you know, the music business school. Yeah. Um, or music, mu- music, music school. Music, any music school. So yeah. why not? Um, I mean, with stuff like that, I, I used to want to do graphic design um, when I worked at Drive Through and and all that. And uh, I was going to go to school for it. But it was like, it's silly. Like, why would you go to school for graphic design? Like, I was already working doing it. It's like, you just do it. You you create things and you show people those things and then they hire you and you just get your you just start doing it. Uh, I mean, some like, people might need that. Yeah, but like you know, it's it pertains to each person for sure. But that's always my advice: is like just start doing it. Like if you want to manage bands, manage your local band and start managing them and get them shows and do whatever. And if that goes well, which if you work hard, it should. Working then hard, it'll always. move on to the next thing. Yeah, and it's like because and the same thing with bands. They're like, okay, we're starting a band. Like, let's get a manager. Let's, you know, get a lawyer. And it's like, don't. Just start playing shows. Start being a band. And then you'll be a band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One more question on merch, because we do get a lot of questions about um, that field. 
what is the trick to surviving as a merch person on Warp Tour? Andy, you were on it. <laughs> yeah, I was. It's tough. What's <laughs> it, the trick? It's very tough. You were lucky uh, you had you had a partner. I would say I hands down the toughest always, job on Warp Tour for a band. Yeah, because I always kind of feel like it's a homeless person thing because you, the, the number of cans <laughs> yeah. with you know elaborate worded you know begging for money is yeah. is good. yeah yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I just want beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you've got. I was I was lucky because I had my friends, so we'd it was it was just sort of like hanging out but working, and we were, we were quite busy all the time. Um, but you have to work hard. We were out there at like from like seven in the morning you had to be out there at seven until like 10 30 at night so it's a long day it's a very long day but it is fun i had fun with it i mean i'd go uh, and go and hang out afterwards and you get to meet a bunch of people during the day and it's it's a cool environment to be in because you get to know everyone around you and mm -hmm. you make some really good friends and stuff like that so, i yeah. think you have to try to enjoy it yeah because you have to you have to get have that side of it because if you just work, oh yeah, it'd be terrible. Same with, same with normal tours. Like if you just you're like, all right, you know, I'm gonna go on tour. I'm just gonna work really hard. I'm just gonna do it, and I'm gonna get through it. Then you'll just be miserable. So yeah. if you go out and you're like, all right, let's let's go to the Barrier Reef or let's you right. know go out tonight, whatever, and you have some fun, then you have both sides, and yeah. it makes the whole thing nicer. Yeah. If you're doing like merch on Warp Tour or even teching or a tour manager, if you're part of a crew, um, and you're like good at what you do and you're sociable. You've more or less made enough connections on that one tour yeah. to tour the rest of your like if, as long as you want to, because yeah. you meet so many people on that tour, which is why it's 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 great for that. It's great for crew. <laughs> yeah, um, it's crazy how many people can get jobs just by meeting people, mm -hmm. and then you'll see the person you're like, I know that guy has no idea what he's doing. Yeah, pointing specifically at you, Joe. <laughs> 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 just as an example, um, and but they get jobs just because they meet people. So you just got to meet people. No names. <laughs> no. Andy, do you, do, you, do you remember the craziest day you had on Warped Tour? Yeah, I do. It was. Uh, <laughs> was it the Rock of Love girl? Oh god! Well, that was that was that was up well, there. That, was it your <laughs> tattoo that, scare? that you won't be arrested for. Oh, Why don't you put that on there too? So. Well, there was a few on that time. Like I said, I enjoyed myself. <laughs> so there was a few. Um, I don't know. We like a, it was. It was when the I guess the album came out just yeah. then. So we were we were quite quite busy. You and, um and so you had a we, crazy week of your tattoo scare. That was that was yeah. Uh, I think that's a uh, save for another time. That was very, is that, it's okay. Is it uh, save that uh, with well, autobiography fine, later? Right? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. I'll, I'll save some secrets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, but know any crazy customers? Any parents coming up screaming in your face? No, I mean, like we didn't really get anything like that. You always get like uh, the weirdos. But <laughs> you, anyway, you always get them wherever you go. So you know, you, <laughs> especially uh, at the warp tour. You know there, that is that actually you just brought. Some, gosh, you guys keep bringing up points. Um, there, uh, if you talk to merch people that've been on the road for a while, they they can categorize types of people yeah. that come up. Do you have like categories of people, customers that you're like, oh, this is that kind of person, and then I can well, tell. That this I'm one's out of gonna touch ask now, you, but you know, yeah, no, but you know what I mean. Like all yeah, you guys, the, like the, you know, the like the one who... that's gonna ask a ton of questions and never buys anything, and oh yeah, and they just yeah. stand the there lurking that, uh, all day. Tries to buy a size small, but it's clearly oh my God. a size that's, large. That's the worst thing. Okay, <clears throat> this is this is the worst thing. I, I <laughs> got I this completely. <laughs> yeah, this might sound horrible. Sweaty. It's not horrible. Basically, okay, a larger <laughs> girl comes up to you and says, hey, can I have a medium? And you have to ask, girls medium or oh, guys? Okay. Because you don't want to assume giving them a guys right. medium. You know, it's it's like that sort of thing, and it's always like awkward questions. You don't like know that. if it's for yeah. their little sister. Exactly, you don't well, yeah, want to like just know. assume. Like, right. well, know. the other that's that's very uncomfortable. And then also sometimes someone will come up and be like, "Hey, uh, can I get an extra large?" And you're like, "Oh, we didn't even bring that in, yeah. but we do have it." 
It's I got to go special order. <laughs> <laughs> and then you feel bad. Yeah, you're right. like, yeah, and you got to charge them more. It's so hard. Cost more the price points. Or, I mean, never mind. Um, yeah, that's always awkward. Yeah, very John good. Cheese was very good at being like, that guy's not going to buy anything. Yeah. I can sell anything in the world to that girl. <laughs> I'm going to sell an extra large to that. 90 pound little kid over there he's like okay let's see it done yeah. so that's the key to being a good merch person you got to find the perfect salesperson yeah you know somebody that isn't socially awkward and yeah there's yeah. some great ones out there yeah and there's some terrible ones that yeah. steal kids money and put them in their tip jars yeah. on warp tour and yeah god yeah there's some scumbags mean we're actually merch guys are the worst yeah yeah mm-hmm. all right so why don't we first music break one song from each one of you guys give me your anthem song when you first started out touring on the road, it could be any band or any song. So just give me the band name and the song. So Travis, we'll start with you. Oh my oh, god! You know what? Yeah, uh, you're start with to... Andy. Yeah. Just go on the other side. Uh, All right. Well, just song. somebody say something. Okay. <laughs> when we first started touring, yeah. Let like, me go. Saves the day. Shoulder to the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I don't. First started touring like a long time ago. I don't um, even know. Yeah. What you I was were listening different to. Person. All right. So anywhere between 2000 and 2005. Why I, would I say that? I was listening to Trail of Dead. Another morning stoner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'd say we played that. We played uh, Trailer Dead before. I, w- I would listen to the entire self discography when we first started touring, all the way through. And there's like nine records. So any one of those is so, what I'd say. <laughs> you pick one. Some song. of it's pretty Jeez. weird too. Yeah. All right. Something from Breakfast with Girls. I'll say um, Call Girls. Okay. From Breakfast with Girls. I'll probably say Saves the Day as well. I remember they were on Warts where I watched them every single day and I was so happy about it. Brilliant. <laughs> Any particular song? Would you? Um, anything from Through Being Cool, I think. Rock's Tonic. <laughs> okay. We used to listen in the van, I think the first tour, almost every day we'd put on that Billy Bragg song, you know. Uh, I was 21 years oh, when yeah. I wrote this song, now I'm 22. But yeah. Um, keep going. <laughs> but I won't be for long. People ask me. <laughs> that's, uh, is this the musical break? That's called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I got to pay uh, a licensing fee. For that. <laughs> that's, that's New England. By New Billy England. Brand. That's it. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. a great song. We covered that too. Well, Chris covered it. <laughs> great song.
21 years when I wrote this song I'm 22 now but I won't be for long People ask me when will you grow up to be a man But all the girls I love in school are already pushing grams I loved you then as I loved you still Though I put you on a pedestal, they put you on the pill I don't feel bad about letting you go I just feel sad about letting you know podcast is sponsored by Epitaph Records. The home to Warp Tour breakout band Parkway Drive, whose new album, Deep Blue, is in stores everywhere. This Australian metalcore quintet's new songs impressed Epitaph head honcho Brett Kerwitz so much, he even sang on Home is for the Heartless. The band's North American headlining tour with Set Your Goals begins on February 11th in San Diego. Tickets are on sale now. And punk legend Social Distortion, whose first album in seven years, Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes, is available now. The current leg of Social D's never-ending world tour will wrap February 20th in San Diego. After that, Mike Ness and the boys will head down under for Australia's Soundwave Festival. For more information on these and other Epitaph new releases, go to epitaph.com. Who was around? Uh, I have a feeling, if my times are all correct now, even based upon who was doing merch at what, um... The force you pretty much the only one is still around from uh, the night the van flipped. Yeah, in Uh-oh. Pennsylvania. Dun dun dun. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, was that was that as big of experience? It seems even just looking around online for news reports and stuff like that, it, it doesn't seem like as big of an experience as like some of the other massive van flips that we've seen around the years. Um, I mean, the, the story is what Cole fell asleep at the yeah. wheel. Um, yeah, it, it was a it was a big deal. You know, it was a big deal to us. We went home and we freaked out. Um, nobody got hurt. So. What, can you go backwards to kind of remember what like because this is still I mean like you were just talking about like do do band uh, van tours you know and that's what yeah. you got to do and there's some rules of the road of yeah you know well it was it was a real it was a real crappy night. Um, we were coming from Canada um, on a crappy tour. It was the drive through sounds of change tour and it was just doing really bad. Um, it was cool. Steel Train was on it and stuff, and we were having a good time, but the shows were bad. And um, we came from Canada. Um, we had to drive overnight because we had to, like, stop back at this girl's house. We stayed at this girl's house before, left the merch there so we wouldn't have to take it into Canada. We had to stop by and pick up the merch. And when we stayed at this girl's house, she had a bee infestation. So, like, no one could sleep. There was bees everywhere. It was crazy. Um, I would freak so, out. Yeah. So we picked up the merch. <laughs> We're driving down the 90, 
and uh, Marcus is driving, and uh, <clears throat> we're talking, and he he tells me he's like, uh, you know, I I I I don't think I want to do the band anymore. And I was like, wow, really? Okay. Um, well, all right. We got a couple weeks of tour left. Like, okay. And then about ten minutes later, we flipped the van. He fell asleep, and I was like. I noticed that he started to just. Were you in the passenger seat? Yeah, I was doing shotgun, and uh, I was the only one wearing a seatbelt. He started to veer to the left, and I was, and I is you know always what I think is that I should have just grabbed the wheel and corrected it and been like, you know, (laughs) but uh, I was like, whoa, 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 like that. Sorry. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he, you know, he busted up and was like, huh, and then just jerked the wheel, and we went spinning. Flipped into the ravine and uh, totally crashed. Um, and then he decided not to quit for whatever reason. There was no, never an explanation. Guilt. explanation I guess. Yeah. <laughs> pure guilt. He flipped the van. He's like, well, I got to stay in like, I guess I'm going to keep doing it. Or pure laziness. <laughs> yeah, probably mostly that. Um, and uh, yeah, we flipped a bunch and he, we stopped flipping and he just was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. While I'm flipping. so sorry. No, no. As soon as we stopped flipping, all, all he said was like, "I'm sorry" five times. And we're like, "Is everyone okay?" And everyone was fine. And uh, Richard Simmons, who was uh, doing merch at the time, was like, "Where's my Xbox?" Picked it up. He's like, "It's okay." <laughs> Carried it out of the. We were stuck in the van because we landed on the on the pat on the uh, you know side door, and the driver's door was like smashed closed, and we couldn't get out. So we were just in there waiting. And Socratic drove by, who was on the tour, and we were like, what's up, losers? Like, yelling <laughs> at them. Um, like, it was freaky. And in hindsight, like, we went home, we were like, oh, my God, that was crazy. But at the time, we were like, whoa, this is, this is funny. Like, this is crazy. I can't <laughs> believe this. Um, so we were stupid. And um, the fire department came, and they had to cut the front windshield off, and we climbed out, and Richard had his Xbox. You weren't scared of like a gas leak or anything. Yeah, that's no. Yeah. When, when that happened like to me, that, I, I freaked out thinking it was going to explode. Yeah, yeah. How long did you wait there for in the van? Probably like fifteen <laughs> minutes. No, that's not that bad. Yeah. Turn off the engine, I guess. You don't. Have yeah, it wasn't running. We wait. I waited longer, just on top of the thing. Just on wait. top of the van. Yeah. Why did you wait on top of I the could, van? I couldn't move. You you were my my whole body seized up. Wow. Yeah. You but you, but it was no permanent damage. You just nah, well, you just freaked a little bit. No, I crashed on my neck, the couch. Yeah. Can you talk about your experience? Yeah, it was that? it was awful. Um, it was the first tour we ever did. It was a 2002 Warp Tour. We were on the drive-through stage, and um, that that tour shouldn't be done in a van. I'm gonna be a hypocrite yeah. there, but that tour is too rough to do in a van. Um, Warp Tour is. Mm-hmm. So we're driving. We were driving between. I think Vegas and wherever the next date is. So we're driving out east and um, a, a guy who we brought with us, not in the band, was driving and our drummer was sleeping in the in the passenger seat and there was no seats in the van. It was just loose couches. This was the old starting line van. They, didn't, they lost the seats. So we have loose couches, all of our gear. We had no trailer and merch all in this van and a couple of people. And uh, the driver falls asleep and... We're in the middle of the desert, and on one side, to the left side of the road, is like a giant like water retention thing where you know it's cement, and you would flip off and fall a thousand feet and blow up. And the other side was a little ditch. 
and he was going that way. He was going left. And then the drummer is like, what? Wake up, wake up. And he, he does the same, same thing. thing. Wakes up, jerks the wheel. One wheel from spinning from uh, actually gets lodged kind of sideways, like horizontal instead of going straight. Um, so we're spinning. We flip off the road. We roll two and a half times. We land sideways, just like, just like Forrest said. Um, and we crawl out the front door. And everyone's like, is everyone okay? Is everyone alive? And I was the only one who got hurt. And not even that bad. It's just something smashed on my neck. And I guess it was like, I guess everything was like in shock and I kind of, I got out of the van from like the adrenaline and then I couldn't get off of it. And that was scary. And I thought it was going to explode. <laughs> and we were in the middle. It was like four, no, probably, it was probably about 2 a.m. in the middle of the desert and all these buses from War Tour are driving by, but no one would stop. So we waited there for probably about an hour and a half oh my. until the ambulances finally came because we were in Fallon, Nevada. Yeah. And we were in the middle of nowhere. So no the cell phones? Oh, we, this was way yeah. before we had cell phones. We had nothing. Um, so finally, well, we had one, and somebody called, and finally they got there. We went to Richard and Stephanie's house to drive through and, and stayed there for about five days, jumped back on the tour when I got to Ventura, played a, five more dates, flew out to it, New Jersey, rented another van, drove down to Atlanta, and got that one stolen <laughs> before the show. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first two weeks of touring. Yeah, it was sort of the same thing as us. We we flew home because uh, drive through was like okay, like hop into Socratic's van, you know, finish the tour, and we're like, yeah, right, <laughs> no, thank you. We flew home for like three days, bought a new van, and then rejoined the tour. But it was like nobody wanted to do that. Yeah, we just flew, we were all freaked out. Yeah, it freaks you out because you hear so many horror stories, and you're like, that could. I think about it all the time when we're driving. Mm-hmm. I just look at that. I look at the big window, and I'm like, that thing could you know, open up and toss you out. It's frightening. But, you know, you just, I think we're all at the point where everyone's been touring long enough to kind of know how long you can handle driving at night. Yeah. And, you know, you know to be very careful when there's ice. and We don't drive overnight. Yeah. yeah. No. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. something that I do, we do tell a lot of bands. Like, we'll meet bands and they're like, we're driving overnight. We're like, bad idea. We're like, please yeah. don't. Like, this time of year. It's, it's scary. I, I'm scared for you. Like, yeah, I know you can handle it. Yeah, I know you've yeah. done it before, but you never know what could happen, and, and I'm scared for you. Yeah, and me and Joe can both be like, we did it. We flipped a van. Yeah, and we're very lucky to like yeah. be uh, able to tell the story. So, And that stuff usually happens at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's tired, always at night. You know? Yeah. Right. Um, what was, uh, for, for all you, that you guys have been together now, what has been the oddest... Um, Bill or Tor Every single one Every tour we've done in the last two years I would say the oddest one was the the last one we just did Was one of them 303 Down with Webster Yeah Hanson Oh yeah Hanson Well that wasn't weird because it was still trained Oh okay right yeah, no. Well, and they're not. That's we don't. That's the oddest pairing. I we don't mean like. to say weird as it, it was. It was like crappy, and we didn't want to do it. Right, it was no, bad. Just, it was just. I don't think we we really made much sense on the bill, but and it was one of the things where we were like, I don't think whoever booked, like whether it was three hundred three who requested it or their booking agent or their manager or whoever, I don't think they know what we sound like <laughs> <laughs> now. I think they think that something else is happening, but because yeah. we're like, okay, it's us, three hundred three. This band down with Webster. I don't know if you've ever heard of them mm-hmm. from Canada. And this girl, Neon Hitch. <laughs> who, and it was all, well, there was a couple different yeah. uh, openers, but it was very <laughs> hip hop, very party music, and very mm-hmm. electronic, very club, mm-hmm. which is cool. Totally it, would cool. Make, it would make sense at a certain point in Holy yeah. Boy's career, but definitely not. It was actually, 
a, we've done tours that we made more sense on that we didn't do as well. It was a good tour. We really yeah. it, was, it was great. It was enjoyable. And but, everyone was really nice. Awesome but, people. But it, why are you nodding no, Dylan? Well, Dylan was on that tour. Dylan said Dylan. 303 is not nice right now. <laughs> he might get fired. Wow, that's scary, Dylan. <laughs> so, um, so that so that fans and young younger musicians understand that they do because they kind of think, "Why are you playing with that band?" Yeah, right. right? And they hold it against you sometimes. Yeah. They're like, yeah. "What the hell's?" Been? So you can explain how these sometimes these odd billings come together. So they well, just know it's not that black one. and white. It's a, yeah. Like, it's yeah. sometimes well, you sure. Do, right. You know, you gotta play first off. I mean, you have yeah. to do the. Sh- you have to do shows. First of all, we have yeah, we have to tour to to remain a band. So, and and that one came together because Matt Galley is our booking agent and Three Hundred record label. So there was a tie there where that's how we ended up in the same ring. Um, but you know, and like like Joe said, it's not always bad. Like it 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 went great. You know, yeah, for what big it was. shows. The it's records a, yeah, came out, it's, and it's the kids great. were nice on any sort of level. Like you're playing to, you know, whatever fifteen hundred people that might ne- not necessarily check you out. You know, otherwise. Yeah, we were yeah. selling a so hundred records a night. We're not going to be pretentious about like who can listen to the band. I think that's not, yeah, that's know? the big thing for me is like I, you know, I would never want to be too good or pretentious about anything. Like oh, you know, like oh, you like that band? It. Like yeah. we're not going to play for you. Like. You know that sucks. Yeah, but no, no tour, in spe- but specifically, but you know, sometimes you don't have options, and you have to go on a tour to make your rent money or whatever it may be, and and that's really it. Kids will be up in arms, like, oh, how could you tour with that band? Well, yeah, I would love to tour with Radiohead this summer, <laughs> but they're not going to bring us out. Like, it's you have, you know, you you got to take what you can do, and you have to make the best of it, and. And that's it. We've yeah. actually gotten lucky on this tour too. We actually really dig, you know, a yeah. lot of well, yeah. all the bands. So it's yeah, this like, is a really good lineup. And then also, you know, another thing is just that you go on a lot of tours. Some of them might be weird. So it's like, oh, you toured with that band? It's like, yeah, we toured with hundreds of bands. So yeah. what? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's something that people never realize. I was reading like a lot of comments on on some websites, and they're like, oh my god, like I, I this sucks. They're lame. I I thought so much higher of them, and I was like, well, that's weird. Because we don't think that of ourselves, and also, mm-hmm. I see my some of my favorite bands, and I'm like, oh, they're touring with the band I'm not into. I just won't go, or I'll go for them, and I'll leave. I've done that. I've seen bands, and I was like, there you go. I saw the ones I want to. I don't think any less of them because they took a tour because they because <laughs> right. they want to sell some merch. You know, it's people don't understand. Yeah, it, it's weird. <laughs> so zombies, aliens, vampires, dinosaurs. Um, you brought in. Uh, Matt Mahaffey, like you said, why? Um, well, on the last record, um, like I, I was able to see what he could bring to the table, I guess. And so I knew what I would want from him on this record. Um, and uh, it was a really good way to co-produce it with him because I, kn- I knew what he could do and what I could do and you know what we could do together. Um, he does like awesome drum stuff. He played all the drums on the record because it was before Michael was around. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's you know super good at drumming and super good at recording the drums. Um, he brings all kinds of good ideas for the little, like, little things there, you know? Um, we did all, the, like, guitars and bass at my house and then drums and vocals at his house. And um, he knew all the people who could do the strings and the, the horns and stuff. This guy just had a really good idea of, like, you know, what his role could be. Yeah, you, you're quoted as saying it was definitely a different process and a weird <laughs> experience. Um, if, 
if he hadn't been involved with that and you had done We're talking it, zombies right now. Right, yeah. Okay. And, and you had done it uh, yourself, do you, how would it be different? I mean, how would the record have turned out differently? Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, I don't know. All the songs were written and demoed, and they're, you know, essentially close to what they were. Um, not as well produced, I guess. Hmm. Um, so it wouldn't have been that different, but it was, it was the first time for me at that time that I'd ever gone into his, well, it wasn't, it was his home studio, but it was still more of a studio than I'd ever been in. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I'd ever worked with anyone else. You know, it was always literally me alone in my privacy, um, whispering or whatever. And, uh, that's how I was comfortable. So it was just weird <laughs> to be in a room with someone else doing something. Um, I think that's what was weird about it. I was like, I don't even know if I can, if I can sing in front of this person. You know, that's weird. Hmm. You're, uh, you said at one point, some of the songs from that record that are older, they were mostly written intended for nobody, not even the person that they were about to ever hear. But I don't even speak to them anymore, so I don't know what any of them think. They probably think I'm a big creep, but I would never know. So, <laughs> um, so with that kind of what you were just talking about... Um, uh, and I think at one point you're also quoted as saying that um, uh, you said, uh, all I've ever known how to do is write songs about girls. I honestly don't think I've ever written a song in my whole life not about them. Um, <laughs> so um, was there anything about that experience about, like you were just talking about, like now you're kind of performing in a very, very intimate setting now with somebody else who's now judging what you're doing mm -hmm. and saying, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, so was that, you know, from a personal standpoint, was it kind of, was there a sense of kind of coming to grips with that and trying to learn how to, you know, deal with your own personal stuff and you're trying to get all this stuff out of your emotions and so forth with yeah, somebody else. Yeah, for sure. That's that's what was uncomfortable about doing the first record. Um, overall, it was a really great experience, but um, that would be the aspect that was like, that, that was nerve-wracking. Mm. And I'm really slow with everything, so I would just feel like kind of rushed because I would be like, oh, I just... I need to I need to go over that a few more times. Um, okay, we're moving on. Okay, <laughs> you know. So it was, it was tough in that respect too. Is there any song off that record that you you, you feel at this point if you could? I mean, you know, hindsight and uh, Monday Monday morning quarterbacking is beautiful. But is there anything on that record now that you would kind of go back and you would you you would tweak a little bit or change or? Um, no, especially with that record, like everything. It was such a different process. Um, writing it where it was, uh, I, I don't even feel like I was, I was kind of making songs, but mostly I was just messing around with recording equipment. So it was super tied into the production. So you couldn't really change anything. And that was the tough part. Like if we'd try to, uh, play it live or if we tried to like make an acoustic or an alternate, alternate version of it, mm -hmm. it was like, it just won't work. Cause it has to be exactly the way it is, um, on the recording because it was like little, you know, little production details that really made it. Um, so you can't, you couldn't really change it. Um, and I, you know, I have no interest in redoing any of it and, uh, I feel like it's just, it is what it is. I'd maybe just leave touchdown turnaround off altogether. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> really? Are you uh, joking or are you serious? Well, it, it's fine. See, the thing with that one was, <laughs> um, like you'd said, a lot of the songs were written quite a, quite a long time before the record came out. Um, and that was one of them. That was one of the first say before Bonnie Taylor Shakedown, whatever, okay. was written as a song, that was the first idea. There was like 30 seconds of it where it's really? like, oh, this is so a little piece of music. technically the first formation. Yeah, I just didn't complete it. Okay. Like, oh, here's like a silly little 30 seconds of music. And I just thought it was like interesting to have like 
like a little DIY, like home recording um, kind of thing that was doing like stupid, like, like radio pop music, like dance. I was like, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic. And so then, you know, four years later, it came out on a record and people thought it, it actually just was, you know. Like a representation <laughs> yeah. of like, the, you know, the band, and, yeah. which was very not the case. Yeah. And so it's, it's, you know, it's my fault that no one picked up on the irony, but. (laughs) That's, yeah. You can never think people are going to pick up on. An insight. Irony or. Yeah. Like we said, after a while, the joke's not. Yeah. Five years later, the joke's not good anymore. (laughs) It's fine. But it's one of your signature songs. I guess. Touchdown Turnaround? Yeah. Well, to a lot of people. To a lot of people, sure, yeah. To a lot of people now, I don't think it is. Mm. Um. But that's there is still a with the new record of people that always mm-hmm. want to sure. hear it. Which sure, is. it's our signature encore, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, we we don't really play it very often, and I I don't personally have any interest in in revisiting it. Like I wasn't there for the creation, but I think we're so far removed from it now. Mm-hmm. Not that we're better than the song or anything, but no. we've had better we have better songs. So <laughs> all right, so let's all right, okay, let's bring it. Um, w- w- there are songs from that record and from the EP that. Um, let me see, we're talking, uh, we're going to be going on in a couple more years, a, a decade from when that EP came out. Mm-hmm. And the cycle of pop culture is that every 10 years, there's a, like a revitalization of whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a decade ago. And so all of those bands that were 13 to 16 or something at that point are now going to hit a nostalgia phase and they're going to pull out their hello goodbye stuff from that time <laughs> period. Well, neither, they won't pull it out. They'll pull it up yeah. and uh and they're They'll gonna unzip it right or whatever. exactly <laughs> and then uh uh and then they're gonna they're gonna wish to go see you guys play all those hits right that are your signature songs from that time period and you yeah. guys may have moved on yeah well there's two things that i never wanted to be and one is like the band that that is like oh no like fuck all that old stuff we're not even playing it anymore you know we're brand new we are too cool for whatever you like, you know. I never wanted to do that. So we still play some songs. The other thing I never want to be is a nostalgia act. <laughs> so I would hate to do that. And if somebody was coming to the show for nostalgia, I'd be like, just go home. I don't care. Even though that could be where your money comes from. I, I mean, because when you really think about it, I mean, yeah. you know, go, we were talking earlier about Tom Petty and stuff like that. Yeah. You, you know, you go see those guys that play the sheds. Yeah. And they're playing hits. Yeah. And they're, oh, they try and pull that new record out like anything. Right. They, yeah. Oh, they'll put it in Starbucks. They'll try everything. Yeah. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares about Bob Dylan's new shit. Yeah. Well, they, they still play the, the old. I mean, it's not yeah. like it's completely go gone. <laughs> Can Bob Dylan really play anything? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. So yeah. it's like you can't run away from what you became successful and known as. Yeah. Like, there's a time limit on every artist. They, you can only have. You can only be relevant for so long right. until yeah. people are just like, well. You're not making any new fans with your new stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that's the, the thing is that um, I don't, you know, I haven't heard Tom Petty's new record. And I don't know the the the, the examples of it, but um, you just have to keep making good music and music that you believe in. And whether, you know, half as many people or a quarter as many people, um, you know, are interested in it, mm-hmm. then whatever it is, it is. Uh, an example that we always kind of talk about, at least me and Michael, is Not A Surf. You mm. know, they had a big hit. Right. hit and... You go see them now. They don't play it, and no one's there to hear it. Right? There's no nostalgia. People going to see Not a Surf, 
So, but they were big. Yeah. that made them huge. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure they, they had years of hearing that too. They did. Yeah. I saw them, and people were screaming it, and they're like, yeah. "Hey guys, that's funny. We mm-hmm. really don't want to play it." Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. it it didn't make a difference because they kept putting out good music. Yeah, right. I think and that's really pushing what it. it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't like, like Forrest said earlier, like we have no interest in being a band that thinks they're that's not going to play old stuff. It will play the stuff that is relevant and that still makes sense to play. And I would never want to do that. I would never want to act like you're better than what made you who you are. Right. Because you're not. Yeah. You know, you're just you're still a, you're a little bit older. Yeah. yeah. And it's um, not like I never was that. It's like that's that's what I was. There's still a part of me that is that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to distance myself from it. But 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 you know, it's I think we're at a good time right now to okay, here's a new record. And the next recording will be you know, it's it's not we're not gonna be like, okay, they wanna hear touchdown turnaround part two. Well, here you go. I, I don't yeah. ever want to get to that point. I, but there's a lot of people who like the band now who didn't like the band before. And there's a lot of people who grew up, you know, along that time. And now they're like, hey, they matured with my taste. <laughs> oh, there's still, you know, uh, there's still a few people probably at every other show who are like, touchdown, turn around. Or they mm-hmm. named some other song. It could be any yeah. song. Right. There's so many. that they... We're just not going to happen to play that night because we're touring on a new record. We have new stuff and we have a, an hour and 10 minute set. You can't play much longer. Right. You know, we, we really can't. There's, there's curfews. I don't know if it's already brought up, but we, we need to practice those songs if that's the case. Because <laughs> yeah. some of those songs have not Point. been played yeah. in forever. If someone wants to hear, I don't know, If You Wanna, I Might, yeah. I, I don't even know how to play that song. Like, we never played that. Yeah. You so, know? so if I came in with five grand at night and said, I want you to play Zombies from beginning to end in full, well, you couldn't it, take, do it. it would take a lot of work. Well, we could because we would it. have to learn it all. Yeah, we'd have to rego. <laughs> Michael's never played. Yeah, we can't just bust know, it more out. than half of those. Is, Five is... grand, I'll play the thing for you solo. Easy, <laughs> done. No, nah, it's a cop out. It's a cop out. It's a full band, full band. Well, I'll uh, clap. What it, you know, the thing with the uh, Hello Goodbye shows, uh, especially after that record came out, and, and it was uh, was that this was a, um, it was the show to go see when you wanted to unwind. You could have had the worst possible month in your life. And if you went to a Hello Goodbye show, it was such a festive, party, crazy atmosphere show that you left there and you forgot everything. So how did that stage performance that you guys did, was it really a lot of thought into it? Or was it like you said originally, like we just went to the costume shop and spent a hundred bucks yeah, and got some balloons? It was just stupid. Um, it was just, it was just a joke. Um, and, uh, even, you know, even back then we didn't really always do it and we stopped doing it pretty quickly. Um, or we would just do it occasionally. Um, I think it's still like a very, uh, lighthearted environment when mm-hmm. we play. It's, it's, it's pretty casual and, you know, it's not like, here's our art. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you smiling? <laughs> Fucking respect it. It's not like that at all. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it's still a good time, but, uh. All the all the silly stuff was never even really part of any idea, anyways. So mm. there was never a concept in place about it. So uh, in two thousand eight is when Jesse left. Probably two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah. I joined. I joined the band right before he left. Yeah, we okay. did. Uh, we were doing a, a lot of college shows. Yeah. So he was at his 
and so would you say that uh, I've seen him described in a bunch of things as like he was uh, co-founder uh, of the group? Which how would you describe him? Just one of the found, one of the main guys. Original? Yeah, he was there since the beginning. Okay, so in that respect, for sure. So uh, how did that? How did he break it to you? Was it kind of like you know what you went before with Marcus or? Um, with all those things, you kind of saw it coming. Um, cause like we talked about tour, you know, it's tough and it's easy to not enjoy it. And you could tell people just, you know, no, oh, he's not enjoying it. Um, and so he gave me a call and he's like, Hey, uh, can I come by? And I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> Why would he want to come by? He never comes by. And then he just came by and he, you know, he was cool about it. He's like, um, you know, I, I don't want to tour. I'm just going to go to school. And I was like, cool. Great. Um, that's fine. He, you know, we had already kind of disconnected, um, a lot at that point in high school, we were pretty good friends and, um, I, you know, you can change a lot on tour. You can change for the better or for the worse. And, you know, we, we definitely went in different paths. With a lot of people too, actually. I, I was, I was very good friends with him and towards the end, I, you know, now I don't even speak to him. Yeah. So. He kind of turned. He, just, he changed. He just got weird. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, but I you know, a lot. Of, I'm sorry. Go on. I don't know what he's up to. Yeah. Now, really, I mm. mean, it's not like we hate each other. Or anything. Yeah. We right. just we're different people. We right. don't totally hang different. out. That's something that's usually not talked about a lot in interviews. Um, is that you start a band with your friends, mm-hmm. and then. That changes because yeah, business partners yeah. is one part of it, and then you also grow up. Yeah. yeah. Um. So all of you guys have known friends of yours and stuff like that, and read about other bands that have kind of gone through that. That's it's just got to be a very personally frustrating position to be in when you're best friend from high school mm-hmm. and you don't even talk to each other after five years being in a band or something like that. It's yeah, got to be difficult. Bands tend to start at your most. Formative Form, years. Yeah. Right. That's so, like, the big part of it. You know, it. a lot of people, a lot of times it's like, okay, you know, you may have had girlfriends before, but now you're in a relationship. You're out of school and, and, and that constrains somebody, you know, they have a serious relationship and now they don't want to tour so much anymore. Or now they have to pay their rent before they yeah. lived with their parents. So right. it, it, things that you, you know, you grow up, you have grown up problems now or grown up issues and, and that strains people more than anything especially when you live in a van or you're touring or you're dealing with people that don't have the same issues as you or have. Yeah. You yeah. Know. You just change and what worked may stop working. You know, maybe you, 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 you're like, Oh cool. I'm, I'm into partying. And then you get over it and you're like, I just want to go home or opposite. You're like, I'm going to start partying and you turn into a mess or whatever, mm-hmm. but it just stops working maybe because you grow up and you change. How do you enforce you? You made it sound like, Every time somebody kind of came in and said, well, I'm going to stop touring, I'm going to go to college or whatever, yeah. you were just like, oh, okay. But, the, I mean, how do you not end up, you know, at some points or another, you may feel like you've got the best guitarist or the best drummer or whatever, yeah. and then all of a sudden, like, you know what? I can't do this anymore, man. I want health insurance. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I'm like, and how do you not end up getting resentful towards this person you were that close with? Well, okay. Um, with with Jesse, for example. And I'm, not, and I'm not trying to start drama. I'm just asking. No, you, right, no, right, it's right. fine. It's, okay. it's so, you know, it's been so long okay. that there's no drama. Okay. Um, with Jesse, and that's, it's exactly that. It had been so long. You know, we, we could get on fine. We, did, mm-hmm. we didn't fight. And, uh, you know, we could laugh and whatever. I mean, we could, we could tour. But we had grown apart 
so long before that that it was it was not even an issue. It was like, you're done. That's fine. You know, we stopped really being friends two years ago. I'm not. There's 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 no you know open wound about it. Um, me and Marcus never really got that close. Um, like same thing. We could we could laugh. We could have a good time, but uh, I was never really. I didn't really like you know get that deep with him. And I actually called him because I was like you know. Marcus seems like he doesn't want to tour. He seems bummed. He's not into it. So I called him. I'm like, hey, um, you know, I, it seems like you're not into it. Do you want to do it? And he's like, no. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Settled. So see ya. What, when somebody leaves a band or, you know, like early November and stuff, when, when things are kind of winding down, how difficult is it to extra? pull somebody out of a band legally and everything else. Is it just simple as like, cause that's, oh, that's a story you always hear. Like, oh, the guitarist, you decide I don't want to go to college. Right. That's it. Oh, well for us, I was the only one on the contract. So there was no <laughs> legal issues. It was like, okay, okay, Marcus is gone. Okay. Okay. I'll go into the drama. <laughs> uh, I have on my phone, I was trying to find it. I was really trying to find it before I got it here. Um, I have a photo that you took for us. Um, that I saved that I because I just think uh, from a photojournalism standpoint it kind of says a lot. Okay. And there's a photograph of that you took. I don't know where the hell you were, but it looked like it was at a cafe or something, or maybe it was your home. And it's a photo of the drive-through contract. Yeah. And you have a glass of wine sitting on top of it, or a bottle of wine sitting on top of uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. And uh, you said something. I think the caption was um, finally a use for the a good use for this <laughs> oh, yeah. thing or something like that. That was recent, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so. Um, uh, you know, this is, you know, and again, I, I don't, I'm not trying to, uh, if things have been settled and so forth, I'm not trying to cause drama, but I'm more like trying to find out where things go wrong so that others can learn maybe. Okay. So as you guys, uh, by now, all of you guys were in the band at this point by that time, yeah. this is yeah. 2010. So, uh, when it's actually over, so it's probably 2009 yeah. when mm-hmm. you were really starting to get into it. So how did it start to come apart? There's only okay. so much that legally is there only yeah. To, yeah you got a non all right so again I don't want to call yeah, it, but we just, can't say you know, right. Yeah. right but I can I can tell you how it went down okay um we we were on the label um like I said the first couple of years were great um obviously we were kind of we were doing really well so you know we felt like we got a lot of attention and we'd talk to bands who were like oh man like they suck like we can't get them to do anything they keep telling us to demo and I'm like huh, not not my experience. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> um, so I was always, you know, fighting on their side, being like, no, man, what, what are you talking about? I don't know. I guess it's your fault that they suck because uh, it's great for me. I think I'm doing something right. Um, and that was all good. Then we started uh, having them manage us as well because um, we had a manager and we're like, ah, it's not working out. He's not that interested, whatever. And they were like, we want to manage you. And I'm like, okay, I've known you guys for like, you know, five to ten years. Um, it can't not work, you know. I've stayed at your house for, you know, extended periods of time. Know you guys really well. No big deal. Sounds great. Um, and we heard the only November was doing it. <laughs> and the only November heard that Hullaby was doing it. So That's we both got swindled into doing it. But there's you guys also were duped. Yeah. I can say this because this has something to do with the past band, but um it really was kinda of, on hindsight, um now, maybe not intentionally, but they made it incredibly difficult to work with other managers. Yeah. We had another manager and it would be like, I would get a call from the manager, Stephanie saying this or Richard saying this, and you got to call them. And I get a call from one of them. Your manager's out of their mind. You have to fire them. So basically it got down to the point where they're like, 
we manage you or no or or nothing gets done. Yeah. Because so, we, yeah, we won't work with your manager. Maybe it's just, you know, personalities were conflicting that way, but that's how they kind of well, yeah, we had the way to that. Yeah. We had the same thing. Um, and so then they started managing us, and then it, that's when it got a little hairy, and it's always a bad idea, and that would be a good piece of advice to Vans, is not have anybody do more than one job. So it's kind of like what Dashboard had with Vagrant, where it's the manager, but it's yeah. also mm-hmm. the label owner. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Um, and so then, you know, because they wouldn't, check up on themselves and we're like, Hey, how come this isn't getting done? Oh, because our manager should tell you to do it and you're the manager and you don't have to tell yourself to do anything. Um, and so things got a little weird and we're like, all right, this is maybe not working out. Um, so we fired them as managers and then that's when the relationship got real bad. Cause you know, tried to be, you know, cool about it. Like, you know, it's just, we, we can't have you do both. You know, obviously we want you to still be our label, but you can't be our manager. And then, but then it got really, you know, tense and we're like, okay, this is getting weird. Then they just basically went out of business and, um, you know, fired their whole staff and everything seemed, look, you know, from an outsider, I was like, this, this is a sinking ship. This cannot be good. Yeah. This is, this is, you know, we're not, we can't go down with this ship. And during this point, it was like, you know, writing and demoing and, just gonna ask that because the story is songs. that would it kill you was done before not necessarily that, is that correct like i thought it was like it was done and they had it and then they no. didn't release it no no all right okay all right so this is another it was busted. written okay yeah right, go on all right sorry it was written but not recorded they hadn't given me any money to record it okay i demoed stuff in my house but i was like you know we need to go into the studio they don't have any money obviously whatever um and so it, you know that's when it got scary i was like we gotta we gotta get out of here and uh and then it just really fell apart. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I <laughs> mean, that's pretty much the story of how that's it went pretty down. Much story there too. And that's then, pretty much the story. They, and then we they, all got delivered. Always, yeah, we yeah. all were served. And we all yeah. got served a lawsuit, and we're like, really? Yeah, really. Everybody, us? everybody <laughs> yeah. which which was bizarre. Everybody in the band. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> they've always hated me <laughs> with a passion. Oh, so, yeah. okay. Were you, why? Because you were the. I don't know necessarily why they. We just didn't. Get on well. Yeah. So when you got served with a lawsuit, I mean, any band gets hit with a lawsuit. They're they're that's you know to them, unless they have a good lawyer, that's where they start freaking out. They're like, yeah. "What the hell?" Um. Yeah. I mean, I was freaking out a little bit, but um, we knew there was not. There was no. It was the most. Rounds. It was the most insane lawsuit ever, and we we're like, "Are you know our stance is a whole lot better than theirs?" So I wasn't freaking out too much. Because I don't know if I none of I'm I'm not on a contract with them, so them to sue me was just kind of it was yeah that's why it was weird. It's like you took this person's place, so I'm gonna sue you. Yeah, and there was no member exiting or entering agreements. Yeah, he's just a guy. It was just he could be our friend, and it's like oh you're suing them too. Okay, (laughs) so that what had been a little weird because I just go back a little bit at what you're talking about because that is there's a great story there about all of a sudden drive they just didn't exist anymore. Yeah. And so now, like, what the hell do you do then? I mean, you, you lost your label. There was nothing we really could do. We had to sit on a record or sit on the idea of a record for so long, and now there's there's no way of it coming out until that was that was finished. And that process wasn't the easiest. It was a long time. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of hurt us in a way. How yeah. did it hurt you guys, you think? Well... I there think was it, such a long period of time yeah. between the records. You know, we were trying to get out a record, you know, a long time before it actually came out, yeah. and it just wasn't possible. So everybody was 
where's a new record? Like, blah, blah, blah. Are you going to try and re-release this album for the sixth time? Like, (laughs) you know, it's not not our fault, you know, and it's hard to explain that to, to people. I mean, it hurt us in how long of a period of four years, obviously. Um, it was, and so there was there was almost no crossover from our last record to this, where it's like, oh, you know, if we put this record out six months after the last record, it would have been a whole different scenario. But I think it helped us in the way that because it was four years, and there was no crossover, we could, you know, the record probably if it had come out the way it was, then people would have been like, huh, right? Even more, we would have seen even more obnoxious backlash. I think. Whereas after four years, it was like. Well, yeah, we're kind of we're kind of starting over. Four and that's years, fine. like you know, <laughs> yeah. like we listen to different things now. Mm-hmm. It's a, we're virtually a whole different band. As do the fans, though. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> so now that you you went through all of that uh, that experience and you got out of that situation, um, is there a uh, I don't know a a what's your feeling about the label system now? Um, I mean, there's there's something to it, and y- you could sign. I wouldn't say don't sign, but to us, you know, I mean, we we had taken so many steps with the record. Obviously, I had to self fund it. You know, I paid out of my personal money to to record it and to mix and to master it, and and you know, I had to pay a uh, unnamed amount to to get out of the drive through situation with the legal stuff. Um, and so I'd gone all that distance. It was like, well, now I could hand it over to someone or I could just put it out. You know, we could put it out ourselves, which made more sense because we'd done so much already. Hmm. Um, but the label system in general, I mean, so much of it is like, they can't, they, there's so much that they can't do that you can just do on your own. Um, and there's so much you can do that they just, you know, it's not possible for them. Yeah, there's... You know, there's the major label situation, which gets worse every day, I'm sure, and has always sort of been the same, and now it's even harsher. It's still a benefit. Like, say this record had come out on a major label, there would have been a lot more advertising for it. I'm sure that more people would have heard about it or bought it. There's still people who maybe even like the band who don't even know that it's out. Because mm-hmm. I see, you know, I'll see tweets like, I didn't know they had a record. And that kind of sucks. But at the end of the day, you know, in in business terms, it, it probably still would have been a worse situation, a much worse situation. Yeah. No one knows where to place us now, days, which is, you know, we, we're trying to make our own uh, niche, I guess. Yeah. When, when you present us to, like, a, a major label, they're like, well, what do we do with you? Where, where do you want to be? It's like... Yeah. Anywhere. You know, Morrissey can't get a record deal, so... <laughs> can't feel too bad yeah so um we uh let's take that second song break so why don't you guys um i want each one of you guys to pick a song but i'm gonna give a couple different questions and see who will take that up um so first one is um give me the song that is most misinterpreted by fans of ours of yours this is your stuff now we're talking about I would say touch that turn around. Because, <laughs> like I said, and yeah. Jesse by nothing, was, which was no, a that okay, that, well, that's a joke. It was a joke, and song I think and people, people know think it's, it's a joke. Well, I don't know, man. I, I think they think they, they really want us to hear us play. They think it. it's fun, they think it's, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I'd like to hear someone who could give the argument that it's not a joke. It'd be an interesting argument to hear. It's what so, is what is the joke? 
that we were trying to sound like Reggie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was like, you know, that wasn't even a really a song, even less than Touch on Turner. I was like, that wasn't supposed to be a song. And that was like supposed to be like a bonus track on the free download thing. I was like, <laughs> this is a flash in the pan. Big deal. Who cares? We're putting it up. We'll take it down tomorrow. No one will know. Now every night it comes <laughs> yeah, back to yeah, haunt yeah. Us. yeah. So, I mean, I think people understand, though, that that's not too serious. Um, but yeah, touch, Touchdown is just a... So then, all right. Now, uh, give me the song that you guys probably collectively love, but n- the audiences are just never latched onto. So you guys don't play it. Uh, from the new record, I think we could all kind of speak for... Um, we there was a song, the last song on the record that we've been playing. Um, oh yeah, for yep. the first, you know, up until a few days ago, um, we all really dig that song a lot. It just doesn't transfer well to to the crowd. They don't really get excited. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, it's I, a, it's a slower one. It's a softer one, and those are always like you know tougher live. And it's it's a deep cut. It's a deep cut in the new record. So some people may not know it, but I think they enjoy it. It's just like. In my head, it worked out so well. <laughs> in practice, it yeah, was. Yeah, we were awesome. so excited. Yeah. Um, I guess. I guess that. I don't know. Everything else seems to come across pretty well. Yeah. Okay. Give me a song that has that changed the most from when you guys walked into the studio to make it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the new record to when Copper it, to what it ended. Mm. The strings. Yeah, the, the strings. strings it, it, well, it was. What the it strings was. were in place, though. Yeah. Yeah. That it was just, the same. Thoughts to give me the creeps was going to be an entirely different song. Um, you know, the first demo, that's what you mean, like the first demos of it were like, like you, you know, like the drums in Sleep Alone? It was drums like that. It was like fast breakbeat drums. Oh, I don't and even, like, I haven't yeah, heard you, that. Yeah, you never heard, well, because it didn't, I didn't really finish it, but that was the first like idea, the idea of, of how the to song. Do it. And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe it should be the total opposite. Yes. <laughs> uh, give me the song that... Um, you guys are most proud of as musicians. Like I feel like I challenged myself on this sucker, um, and we did it. The, the whole new record, you know, it has I've got that feeling from mm-hmm. it. Um, Never can relax on on that record is uh, it's kind of the most expansive, and it goes the most places, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. maybe in a way the most different. So it's kind of the most challenging, and. Um, it was a challenge, and then I feel like it turned out really well. So I think it hits all those notes. Hmm. Give me a song that you guys want fans that uh, to uh, to that you hope fans are going to latch on to. I think Never Can Relax. They didn't sort of go for that as well as mm-hmm. um, kind of had to take it out. I feel like it, it went over as well as any other song. It's just that it was kind of a more mid mid tempo. So yeah. we kind of you you I feel like you can only have so many of those in a set. So you're like, well. That one doesn't make the cut, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's a good example. Um, I actually came up with a better way to put that. Let me rephrase it this way. Give me the song that you think best represents uh, Hello Goodbye, where they are now and going forward. Okay. Um, we might all have different... Yeah, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I, I tend to think <laughs> so, it might be uh, When We First Kissed, because it's it sort of hits all points, you know, it's... Melodic, it's poppy, sort of, sort of melancholy with some of the, some of the things going on. So I would, I would maybe say that one. Uh, I would say getting old. Uh, that's a good one. Because I feel like getting old hits a lot of the. It's up. It's 
you can dance to it. You can mm-hmm. move to it. It's not a dance song. Uh, you know, it has a lot of different ups and downs in the song. I think people get excited to hear it. I think the lyrics mean something. I think it's overall a good representation of what I would want someone to think of. We're all mm-hmm. super into horns. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's a, it has all the elements of stuff that we, we love. Um, I'd say Would It Kill You title track is also another one. Mm-hmm. You know, strings and um, the bridge in that song is one of my favorite parts of the record. Yeah, and I like that one because it's got a good um, energy because I still like uh, kind of, you know, high energy, frantic kind of stuff and it's got enough of that. Every night I see you standing on the corner Where would we be if I let my 
Wasted Summer is the name of the label. Uh, and did you have that like kind of stashed around for a while or was that just kind of seriously, once you started seeing where everything was going to drive through, you set it up? Yeah. Yeah. We set it up when we saw where things were going to drive through recently. And, you know, with Bandcamp and TuneCore and, you know, uh, everything else that's out there right now, it seems really easy to sit there, well, just start your own label and then just do it yourself and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But there's a difference because we talk to older bands, older than you guys, the very different mentality that maybe they came out of the major label system or something and you're like, okay, everybody's got to contribute now. Everybody's mm-hmm. got to do social media. Everybody's got to do this. And their members are like, I don't know. It's not my thing, man. Yeah. Like that Bell and Sebastian video. Yeah. There was a good thing before they put out their new record about where they are now as being a band who's been around for almost 20 years. Yeah. Being like, Twitter, what the hell's that? Like, what the hell's your, you know, Facebook statuses? Like, yeah. I feel It was that, like their fake yeah. manager, like giving them lessons. Like, yeah. all right, guys, you got to update your, your Bebos and your, your, your Twitters. And they're like, huh? <laughs> So I'm old. <laughs> so then, so then, I mean, have you guys kind of struggled with any of that too? Like, are there like not are any of you guys? Well, sort of. Eh, really we were kind of late to the Facebook game. Like, yeah, a little late to the Facebook game, but we grew up in the same. Like, I mean, I think for a long time people would call, would have called us a MySpace band, which is so weird. But um, you know, we grew up, or I grew up, you know, <laughs> doing that. Like that's how it started. I, I right. obviously I did I did web design stuff. So the first. Before there was really a band, there was a website. Um, you know, before there was any of the other social media things, you know, we'd have our instant messengers on on the website, mm-hmm. and we'd talk to people on instant messenger. And then when my or when like MySpace came out, we had a MySpace, and it was you know a very big deal on on it all the time, and not not in any kind of like, all right, you got to go update your MySpace, and like it was just like yeah, I'm hanging out on there because I am a kid and I want to talk to people. And it makes perfect sense. So it's just totally natural. I just grew up in that generation. Um, and it's still, it's basically the same thing. It's like Twitter, okay, cool, got it, no big deal. Facebook, I just didn't uh, do for a long time because they didn't really have a band set up. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it's like, not that right. well laid out yeah. for, right. for bands yet. Obviously, it started with like college students and then it came to the public, but it was never really a band for them. Mm-hmm. Now it kind of is. I mean, everybody has one now at least. What, and how are you guys distributing your music now? Well, this record was distributed traditionally uh, through Red. And okay. It has like a, you know, it's in stores. And stuff. All right, yeah. so, you, so you actually have that. So um, was there anything you had to sacrifice that you were used to getting by doing it in this new model? Mm. Even with using Red, which is, you know, it is kind of gets you through the hump, I guess, yeah. the hard parts. Um, just promotion. Like, you know, I don't have any money to advertise anything. So basically just that. It's like we can't. So how do you overcompensate then? Well, we're just going to tour a lot. Yeah. For, um, yeah, we couldn't do all, all the things that maybe were just, you know, sure, yeah, full page ad in AP. Right. Like things in the past. Like, Can we get one of those, by sure. the way? Sure. <laughs> cool. You know, it was things like When that. you do the whole record front to back, <laughs> then we'll be the trade-out. <laughs> <laughs> so there were traditional things like that that we couldn't do. And um, But we did team up with a company called Rocket Science to help us through a lot of that stuff. But it was sort of, you know, you guys do this, we'll do this. Yeah. And we don't really need to do this yet. So. Basically, they helped us do a really good job with the, with the d- distribution. Mm-hmm. But on the advertising side, we're, we're basically on our own. Yeah, and we didn't really do a whole lot. Yeah. You know? Which was a very big bummer for us. We were working with an, a new company that, you know, I don't want to name any names, right. but it, I, I know I was very disappointed with the outcome of the 
promo of the the new album. So are you guys finding that you have to be a lot more hands aware on. than you used to? Yeah, hands on yes. than you used to be. Yes. Yeah, which is which is good. You should know what mm-hmm. you're getting for your money or where where your money is going or where you want it to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a better idea than anybody else where we want to be. You yeah. Know. So you know the biggest fear for a band that comes off of whether it's off of Drive Through or Vagrant or or Warner or whoever they get dropped, for example, is their fear is is like I'm taking a step back. Now the mm-hmm. positive side, the glass half full, is now you have all your freedom. You mm-hmm. could go put out an EP this weekend if you really felt like it. Yeah. You know, no more restrictions. But then the negative side is you don't have the money anywhere. The advertising, your yeah. tour support's gone, yeah. so forth. So so what do you guys? Is there kind of like a is it more glass, glass half full or oh, half definitely half? full? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. To me, it was like it wasn't necessarily taking a step back. It was like where where we stepped to with you know the last record and, and what we did. It was like stepping up into this weird world that I didn't feel comfortable with in the first place. And it was like okay, done with that. Gonna move back down to what I understand, and you know like the way we do it now is is what makes sense to me. Like none of the none of the other stuff made any sense. Mm-hmm. So I you know it was. It's it was weird to me. Hmm. Do you um you guys just start playing house shows last year? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did those go for you? Awesome, awesome. Yeah. They were awesome. They so were a great change of pace. Tied in with MTVU too, didn't uh, you? Kind of for one of them. Yeah. For one of them, right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, is there something? Uh, how did you for other bands? I mean, how how hard was that? Was that to negotiate deals? And it was really easy. We I guess the benefit for us is that we run our own web store, so that's how we were able to do ticketing really easy. Um. And I, you know, I made like a, I, I scripted our thing with PHP, so I was able to just make a quick little like guest list where if somebody bought the ticket, they'd get added to the guest list and whatever, and send them made the it address. really easy. Yeah, automated little emails and stuff. Force is very savvy. Right? So cool was that guest list apps? Was that guest list enforced? Because other bands, I know mm-hmm. they've done house shows. You mm-hmm. know, it's like. Then the friends start showing. Well, I'm you sure. Know? I'm well, sure there are people. What was supposed to be 100 people like, now turns into 250. And, it wasn't that bad for no. in that yeah. Sense. The one show, the, the Jersey show, he's like, "How strict do you want me to go?" And I said, "As soon as all those people are in there, it's just start house, letting man. people in. Yeah, just yeah. As, as much as you're comfortable. If everybody's there and they check off, yeah, let them on in. But booking was easy. I just put up a thing and was like, "We want to play in these places," and then people would email me and oh, attach a little picture. And I'd be like, cool, cool, like, this sounds good, you know. There was a lot that I kind of wish we could have done where it'd be like, you know, oh, I'm I'm a 16-year-old and you, I want you to play in my living room. And yeah. it, most of those were like, that sounds great, but it's less reasonable than this weird crust punk who has an abandoned house because <laughs> that'll work better because <laughs> no one will come tell us to stop. Um, <laughs> so I wish we could have done more of those, but it's just not as uh, feasible. And it just had to make sense on the tour that we were doing because we did them on days off from mm-hmm. the 303 tour. Yeah, so, I had to route. Um, the routing was uh, had to be right So will you guys do them again? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And just out of curiosity, I mean, are your rates disclosed or are they kind of negotiable based by? Well, not a rate. It's, uh, it's not a rate. Yeah, they just buy Free tickets. to the person who does the house. We yeah. sell tickets on our web store. Ah, give them. Okay. Oh, so you and do it like a real show. Yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. Okay, essentially yeah, it's like a real show. I thought it was like the people raised money that were throwing no. it. Uh-uh. No, and the tickets are relatively low price. And yeah. We try and keep them low so it's not like people are buying tickets to a, a show where the venue takes a you know percentage or like Ticketmaster charges you $10. You know, So it's like Fairly cheap. Yeah, sometimes it- the house will want like a little bit of money, and that's no problem. You know, it's like thank you for having us, but you usually don't pay the opening bands. It's like you know, get your friend's band to play. Sure, they can play the show, and there's like no cost. So how do you not get into radius clause issues? 
I don't even know what that oh, is. You know, oh, well, too- well, you know, we just do them and we say, <laughs> and we say, hey, there's <laughs> there can be 50 people at the show. It's not really going to affect the show that 303 is headlining. Maybe oh. if we were on our own headlining tour, we wouldn't do it because it'd be pretty dumb idea. Yeah. Um, unless we did a whole tour of house shows, but yeah. Um, yeah, if it's we asked um, our agent, he said no, no one will mind, and you know they're pl- you're playing a three thousand cap room tomorrow with them, and it's already sold out. They actually were in like, the same city. Yeah, it was like the shows. Yeah, and you guys, you guys do green touring. Do you still do it that way with we the vegetable tried. oil? And oh it? yeah, we tried that once. Um, <laughs> lasted for four days. We really, all tried it to was be a, kind of a yeah. Disaster. We all tried to be conscious in general, but we're in a traditional van now. I'd love to do um, like a veggie oil van again. Um, the thing that we had at the time was like this weird airport shuttle. And just that was the big problem because it wasn't, because we always talk about how it's like either a van and a trailer or a bus. Don't do an RV. Those are stupid. You see bands in RVs and you're like, it looks kind of cool. Like it looks like, oh, you can lay down and that's rad, but not it's cool. not cool. Bouncy. At all. No. Yeah. yeah. And don't do an airport shuttle. No. Don't do anything else. There's only two things that work, vans and buses. So mm-hmm. the vegetable oil aspect of it was great, but the actual vehicle was not built for the road. Yeah. So that's where we kind of ran into it. It literally problem. started falling apart at the yeah. seams. Just the axles were bending, away. and we had all of the gear inside the airport shuttle. We didn't have a trailer. So yeah. it was kind of, yeah, yeah we, we had to abandon tires. it in uh, Texas yeah. in, a, in a hotel parking lot and then we rented a van for the rest of the tour we pretty much blew a tire like every two days because of the weight was just too extreme for it it was so bad and we like stopped and the guy who replaced the tires was like these axles are gonna snap in like two days because they're just there's too much weight on them you know, like the electrical went out we yeah. were just sitting in the dark with no <laughs> there heat there was an air compressor for the airbags to keep it up because of all the weight in the back it was um, it was a good idea yeah. <laughs> on paper yeah that system in a van and trailer would probably be excellent, but we were going 20 miles an hour uphill just because oh, it's man. in this, you know, pedal to, it was to the so ground. cold, too. Yeah. So that was that. Good try. Uh, Good college try there. <laughs> um, there are very few bands that can grow um, sonically and mature as a band and like advance their sound, but still sound like the band that their natural fan base likes. And this record, Would It Kill You, I really feel does it. Because when you listen to it, you can tell you guys have grown and you've gone forward, but it's still, you can tell it's hello goodbye. It's got portions and sounds of it out mm-hmm. of it. So your fan base will have a very easy time graduating with it. But you said, uh, the, the phrase I wrote down was more obvious backlash. Did you get a backlash with this record? No, not very much. I Overall... All the it reviews, got really good reviews. Yeah, and the reviews yeah. I see online, I'm I'm insanely flattered by. And most of the kids that, that come to me at shows, like you know, really into it. I think there's a lot more people who actually really care about it than any of our old stuff. You know, maybe people thought it was fun or whatever, but there, there's people who are like, I really, really love it. It's more um, mature and personal. Yeah. You know? So so I would in general, no, didn't get a backlash. But then like Joe said, there's those people who who don't get it, mm-hmm. who are like. The same people who don't know who Arcade Fire is and why they want a Grammy, <laughs> and they're like, they don't have more top tens than Lady Gaga. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, um, and I wouldn't even try to explain it. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I know there's no there's no top ten on this record. I know, it's okay, right? <laughs> um, so only that kind of backlash. But that'll that'll 
wane in time. The, sure. the longer it goes on, they'll be like, well, you know, I totally don't like this band anymore. I went to go see them. I gave them another shot. They didn't play what I wanted them to play. And then you lose them, but you gain people who sort of will stick with it the next record. And Yeah. And we're hoping now, you know, that we're doing our own label, we can start releasing all that stuff and kind of grow from this record as, you know, mm-hmm. a little as, quicker too. Mm-hmm. stepping. Is there already plans for point. another one as it works, you guys? Kind of. I mean, there's the thought in, the, in, in place um, and definitely don't want it to be any kind of period like the last time. I do feel like I, you know, I put a lot, a lot of work, a lot of effort and a lot of, you know, myself and a lot of money um, into this record. So I want to give it its due right. credit and its due time, um, you know, and I, and I, I guess that seeing it now, it's like, okay, it's, it's, every band has a kind of a transition record. I wish that it could be more than that a little bit because I really think that it is. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I don't want to just be like, all right, that'll, that'll set the tone. Cause that I really that. feel like it, no, it's, it's more important than that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about the next thing we're going to do soon. Okay. Yeah. Cause we live in that culture now where it's like, you put out a record and the kids are already like, Oh, when's the next one? Mm-hmm. By the time it actually hits the stores, right. people are, have forgot about it. Yeah. You I know, think after a, like a month after it came out, I did see a couple people online who were like, love this record. When's the next one? I'm like, seriously, it's been a month. It took me <laughs> four years and now it's been it. one month. <laughs> All right. So two final questions. One's kind of serious and then we're going to end on a silly note. Um, so here's a serious one, especially now that you guys are on your own. Um, I, I've always kind of felt that the mistake that the music industry made in regards to downloading was they made it, uh, they made it all about laws and they made it kind of from a parent's standpoint. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. And as soon as you tell someone 25 and under, don't do that, they're mm-hmm. going to go do it. So, um, so what a lot of fans don't realize, uh, we just did a piece on our website. He illegally downloads a lot, so he's getting Oh, perfect. Scared. That's why he's walking out. Okay, good. All right. So um, uh, we just did a piece on our website, and we talked about how uh, downloading of music has hurt bands. And Jeff Rickley admitted that he works in a store in Brooklyn uh, because he can't pay his bills. And we had so much positive reaction from kids saying, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that it was like we affected, like yeah, what I, I do affected them. So for your guys' own experiences, um, you know, what would you, how could you explain to people listening right now how when they just take the record for free, mm-hmm. right, how it affects you personally? You know, I think so many kids think, I mean, we talked about like when you first started touring or before you toured, you saw a band play and you're like, they're on tour. They must be rich. Yeah. And it's like, no, I don't know why kids think that. It doesn't mean that you're rich at all. Probably means you're really poor if you're on tour. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's just simple because, especially if you're on your own, it's like, how do you make your money? It's like, you, we spent a bunch of money to make this record. And no, if no one buys it, obviously, there's, there's not a lot of money coming in elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there may be a point when, when we have to get jobs too. I don't know. There's no way that you're that the kids are not gonna take it for free. There's right. no way. So um, the only thing you know, I don't want to plead or anything, but what I, if you really like that record, if you don't really like it, don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't worry about you took it, you tried it out. That's you know, listen to it, have it for free, and listen to it because we do want to get the word out, and that's why downloading is good. But if you do like that record, 
enough to order a t-shirt online or enough to go to the show or enough to buy it on vinyl, you know, do that. Please do that Mm -hmm. (laughs) because otherwise we can't make another one and your other favorite band or another band you like will not be able to make. Eventually there, you'd be like, well, I can't go on tour anymore. I can't make another record. And, uh, that's really it. I know my, my good friend Ace was having that trouble right. just recently. The Kickstarter, he did that. He really banked on that Kickstarter. Ooh. But, but um, you know, like he did 10 grand, wasn't it? 15? No, no, no. He set it at 10 grand. He's yeah. already, I think it's almost done, but he's already up to $26,000. Oh, wow, went up higher than, oh, yeah. um, But he only asked for 10, and he, you know, he just had a son, and he's like, I can't afford to be on tour, and I can't afford to properly put out records. That's all he was doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens, you know? And if he didn't have such an amazing support, he would that would have been it. That's and it happens to a ton of people. Um, great artists go away all the time because not enough people pay attention or or buy anything. So and that's going to happen to tons of bands a year. It's going to yeah. happen. So so do you think is this a natural progression that you guys will? I mean, do you think is this to be expected that that's how it is? I hope not. I I don't know. Um, what that people will steal music. No, that that eventually, you know, kind of like what you were just saying, Joe. It's like eventually it just ends. We that could happen. I think more bands are going to end because of financial reasons now more than ever. Like yeah. usually they would break up. Be like we can't stand each other, yeah. or we're 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 out of it for some other reasons. I think so many more people are going to be like, we really want to keep doing it. It's impossible. And it can't. used to be, you know, I would go see bands who were very small bands, and I'd be like, oh, they broke up because they couldn't afford it, and I get it. But now I think bands that you didn't think were smaller bands are going to, like, you know, you just mm-hmm. mentioned Jeff Rickley. Like, mm-hmm. bands like Thursday, who are huge bands, or a lot of bands like that are going to say, hey, this is getting tougher and tougher for us. And you used to see them at, in front of 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, we all can't sing for Ink and Dagger now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is seems a little weird to um, for kids to walk into guitar centers and find their favorite guitarist working there now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know when I when I go home, I plan on doing some some more venue work, mm-hmm. just because it, it you know the extra two hundred bucks a month is extremely helpful, and it's not like I'm poor, but uh, of, according to <laughs> according to like the standard of of America, you're probably pretty poor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you know, I remember realizing that I'm like, oh, wow, like I never thought of myself as poor, yeah. but I I'm 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 like bottom poverty class, level, right? <laughs> poverty yeah. level. Shoot. Um, so, you know, and as you get older, it gets tougher. I'm getting married this year, going on honeymoon. You know, you got to figure that out. So, and I do not live at all extravagantly. So, you know, you got to figure things out, but it's worth it. Yeah, now, faith. Now the, now the more uh, lighthearted discussion, and I haven't asked this one in a while, but I always get good stories. So I'm hoping to God that you guys are going to give me some good stories here. Um, Pressure. Yeah. The craziest fan house. Uh, that you've stayed at overnight. All right. There's yeah, we had some. Ones. We had some. Some Jeff horrible ones. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> Jeff Rickley's. <laughs> um, uh, okay. We um. There was the there was the girl at the bees with the bee infestation. That sucked. Um. There was this one. Oh, there were so many bad ones. There was one where there were so many kids where we would be like, "Cool, can we stay at your place?" And like, yeah, it's great. Like, there's like. Three levels. There's going to be five bedrooms. <coughs> I think each of you should get a, get your own bed. We've got like a furnished basement downstairs with video games and pizza, and it's going to be <laughs> and so there's cool. Puppies. <laughs> there's, we we have a litter of puppies, and they're everywhere. Um, and we're like, great. And then we'd get there, and then they wouldn't even have told their parents, and their yeah. parents would be like, "Excuse me, no." And then this one was particularly uncomfortable because the mom was deaf, 
and and I guess mute. And she was just screaming at her daughter, signing at her, um, because she was mad because she didn't know we were coming. And we were like, I don't even know what to do right now. We're not invited. The house literally had no space. She gave us a quick little tour, and there was a tile floor in the kitchen. That was pretty much where we were going to go, which was fine. But we had we didn't have blankets or anything. We we're like, okay, cool. Um, and then her mom came out and was like, you know, what is going on? She didn't say that. Um, <laughs> and we were just like backing up, like this is the most uncomfortable situation I've ever been in. We were like, you know what? Oh my god, I just Google mapped it. We really got to get. We got a lot of driving to do. <laughs> we gotta go. I, I guess the selling point to that was she said you could be as loud as you want. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Hey, yo. laughs> if her mom hadn't seen us coming, if only um, she was blind. You got to hear about the bee infestation. Um, well, <laughs> it was scary. Well, see, there wasn't too much that went down except that there was a bee infestation, and we were in constant fear of bees everywhere. It was like. Super scary place to stay. She said it was going to be super close. That's always the other thing, too. It's like, oh, yeah. It's, it's right down the street. It's down the street. It's 10 minutes from here. And we're like, great. It sounds perfect. It's on our way. And then we were driving down, like, this unlit road past cornfields in, like, you know, upstate New York. We're like, this is freaky looking. Get to this little weird farmhouse, like, super run down. It was like, this is so shady. Like, there, there wasn't a house for miles. And uh, the the room that we had, like, they had just discovered a bee infestation so you could see bees they're like i just hope they don't come down there they are there they are up there crawling around buzzing and you're like just i'm just gonna get inside my sleeping bag and zip it up uh she was really nice though <laughs> Stayed at a house. <laughs> yeah. there was that one girl that uh was wearing i think it was marcus's hat she was taking pictures of all oh, of that us was weird. we didn't know it was weird till later yeah we were sleeping and she was like trying on our clothes and taking pictures yeah. of us and like putting on the internet we're like we saw it later we're like yeah. oh my god like we thought she was nice we're like oh great this is great thank you and then we left and we're like whoa she was creepy <laughs> i stayed at a house once where the kid and his sister came to the show and his van actually opened up the show and um we get back and we're in the kids' basement. It's an awesome house. And they were totally rad. And it's one of those situations where, like, oh, my God, they were right. Mm-hmm. There's, like, little beds everywhere. And this is great. Um, and he's like, cool, you guys, everything set down here? Awesome. There, your laundry's right there? Great. Um, where's where's your bassist? Where's Sergio? Where's my sister? <laughs> and yes. then he realizes, yeah, then he realizes, he's like, no. And we're like, we're like, no, 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 they must be, um, Sergio's on the phone. And um, he runs out to the van and, and our bassist is with uh, his sister in the van <laughs> doing, doing, doing dirty things. They were talking. They were talking. Oh, and, uh, and he didn't kick us out and nothing like that, but he... Things got uncomfortable? Things got uncomfortable. I was like, well, time to go to bed and we got to get early. You know, and so <laughs> went we to bed tomorrow. and we, we got out of there as soon as possible and... <laughs> What are you going to do? You know, that's your sister's fault, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um. Um, and just on a topical uh, standpoint, just one, because we just ran a story yesterday on our website and uh, um, I was talking to Will Francis the other day and we were talking about that website, Is Anyone Up? Yeah. And uh, this whole culture now of anything that you take a picture of is now on the, on the internet. And um, 
uh, he was like saying, I can't relate to this crowd. He's like, it seems to be more about that sort of stuff and the scandal. It's, it's about the music. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be where some, there's like a certain portion of music fans that that's it. Yeah. And it's all about, you it's know. It's certain I bands think, too. It's all the yeah. exact same mm-hmm. genre of bands. Yeah. It's like oh, this yeah. screamo, hardcore, like metal, this new weird, faux metal. Weird. Living the dream. <laughs> uh, yeah, weird. I don't want to talk LTG. shit on bands, but right. these are all the same. They all have the same hair. I'm awesome. sure we'll meet them and they'll be cool dudes. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> on Warp Tour the first two weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's, it's just, summer. It Everyone on Warp Tour is on Is Anyone Else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they all do dong pics. <laughs> hey, man. I mean, I've never heard of this website. It doesn't, think, it doesn't make sense to me. Now that something like that is up there, people still continue to do it. Right. Like they, they, I'm not going to get caught. I'm not going to get caught out. Like, or they you know, want to get caught. Well, they do, yeah, I guess. But I some of the fl- unflattering photos, <laughs> I wouldn't want to get caught. The gargoyles. <laughs> I think it speaks to something that's always been around, or at least has been around, I feel like, for maybe 10 or 15 years now, where I feel like everybody just wants to be famous, and that's all they care about. Like, I remember Jack Benek. Sure, yeah. it's like yeah. stuff like that. Jack Benek, she sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, nobody like a lot of the bands start up just wanting to get famous, and you know, I never had any intention like that. And um, if at any point you could say that I was famous, and I'm not now, I didn't like it. <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's I feel like that's all people want is just they'll they'll put up pictures, naked pictures. Sure, that might get me famous. Whatever it'll do to take to just to be famous. It's like desperate. Yeah, I'll be an internet celebrity. Sure. That's awful. Is that all I have to do? It's <laughs> yeah. just it's that easy. <laughs> take now. a picture in the yeah. mirror. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, obviously things are changing very quickly. Being uh, from a technology standpoint, you know, at South by Southwest, the number of attendees that are going for the technology side of that are mm-hmm. triple mm-hmm. what the music side. The music side is gonna be a ghost town, <laughs> and. <laughs> That's because the technology people run everything now. And mm. for a band such as yourselves, especially DIY, to try and stay on it uh, is going to be a, it seems like an exciting challenge for you. It's a glass half full challenge. Mm. And uh, I wish you guys nothing but the best of luck. It seems that you guys have made that transition with your sound and it's your, and you've been well received and it can only get better. So, that's, you know, considering where you guys were going through what, what was it like two and a half years ago, probably mm-hmm. with the lawsuit and everything yeah. else like that. So I wish you guys the best and best of luck. Thank you. Seriously. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks right. for having us. Cheers. Yeah. The AP podcast has been sponsored by Epitaph Records, featuring new releases from Bring Me the Horizon, Frank Turner, Parkway Drive, and Social Distortion. For more information on all Epitaph Records news, release schedules, and exclusive videos and merch, head to epitaph.com. AP Podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Robert Tenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is all my fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP.